Dear Dimwitty, are you out there? Can you hear us? We hope you're doing okay. You've missed so much, Dimwitty. We need to catch you up on everything that's happened in DuckTales. We're here to recap and discuss each episode of DuckTales 2017 for the benefit of our close personal friend, Dimwitty Duck, who was last seen on October 12th, 2011 in the comic Dangerous Currency. If you're out there, Dimwitty, we're coming for you. Just hold on. Hello and welcome to Dear Dimwitty, a DuckTales Recap Podcast. Um, I'm Monty. And I am Marty. That was very solemn. <laughs> it was a bit solemn. It was, um, we're bringing strange energy into the studio today, um, which was entirely unintentional. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Curious. Yeah. Strange. Yes, but um, regardless, thank you for tuning back in. We're so happy to have you. Yeah, we don't have much news since our last episode. Um, I mean, we have news in Moonlander so far, came out. Moonlander came out. Um, not obviously not going to go over the whole thing right here, but suffice to say, we won. Um, Woo. and that's about all that matters, <laughs> <laughs> fellas. We won. I was right the whole time. I knew. Start. I knew. I saw the number, and I knew, I looked in her eyes, and I knew, and I understood. So, um, <laughs> you're welcome. I feel like I psychically willed this into existence um, via the, the vessel of Sand King. So, um, there you go, everybody, you're welcome um, for all, my, all of my hard work <laughs> of telepathically inducing this outcome. It was so much hard work. You've been, like, sending this energy, like David Lynch, <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> It's... Except it's positive energy. I'm not sending negative energy. <laughs> yeah, that's why you have all the hospital things. Yeah. No, it was a really good episode. Um, really, really enjoyed it. I'm so glad that DuckTales is, like, back and, you know, coming out with new episodes. And, uh, God, they're so good. It's back in full incredible. force. This episode really was incredible. Is. It was an incredibly good episode. Um, I think, for, as a general rule, any episodes that come out while we're... While we're doing the podcast, we won't spoil um, for obvious reasons. Um, we can talk about them a little bit generally. And yeah. this episode fucking ruled. It was really good. Um, and next week we have Halloween. Yeah. Like say next week. <laughs> next week is if it's not in like tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's mm-hmm. exciting. So yeah, lots, lots and lots of good stuff coming out Kales, um, which is. Pretty much kind of the best news that can be coming out, I guess, is um, when the news takes the form of just 20-minute <laughs> episodes so we get to watch everything. Yeah. This is the greatest news of all. It is. So I am not complaining. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much... Yeah, we don't really have much of a, a news segment, really, because um, things are still kind of happening, and generally news fills in the gaps when things aren't actively coming out. But we... um. We are blessed to be doing this podcast in a time when DuckTales is actively happening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's, you know, enjoy it while it lasts, everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so our actual episode this week was fantastic. It was a great episode. 
it was really good. <sighs> I think this episode really marks the kind of a point at which this Ducktail, this iteration of Ducktails, kind of takes a hard left from the original and yes. starts um, to go out on its own and do its own things. And it's yes. fantastic. It's fantastic. Um, so this uh, this week we watched the Beagle Birthday Massacre. It is not the Beagle Birthday Breakout. It is the Beagle Birthday? I don't give a shit what they say. <laughs> I don't it care what they like. We're being faithful to the intended order here. It's written down in the intended order as the breakout. Fuck no. This is the Beagle Birthday Massacre. This is the one thing that I am breaking with with Frank Grover. It is not <laughs> the Beagle Birthday. Breakout. It will never be the Beagle Birthday Breakout. The, I watched the episode, and the title came up on the screen, it said The Beagle Birthday Massacre, and that's all I care about. Yeah. It's just such a, it's such a fantastic name for a fantastic episode, I really love it. <laughs> it's a fantastic title. It's so much better than Breakout. Sorry. Sorry, Frank. It's better. <laughs> Sorry, Frank. We do love you very much. It's a fantastic episode, and we're trying to, we're trying to give it everything it's due. And what it's due is a good name with references to killing <laughs> and violence. <laughs> yes, killing violence. Yes. So, the boys are going kayaking, which, like, we find out is something they do very often, which is a very, another very cute look into, like, what they're up to, you know, before Scrooge, yeah. what their hobbies were. And one of them yeah. is going out on a little kayak. Um, yeah, very cute. And Webby's coming along because she's their new sister. Yeah. Yeah, Webby's coming along. Webby's spending time with her new family, which is very Um. I do just like the uh, like kind of the opening shot of this being like this like sunset uh, over like the money bin. So they're like they're like next yeah. to the bridge on the beach. It's a really nice scene. It's got a very nice color palette. I really like it. I really love the like the late late evening and then going mm. into night time frame that they've mm. set this episode in. It's really good. It's great. It has the it, it makes for some really good atmosphere. It's a lovely atmosphere and it really creates this um it's a really, very deliberate choice um, yes. that works really well. And it really mm-hmm. set, it creates this very concrete sense of time rather than setting it like daytime. Just like an ambiguous daytime. Yeah, where yeah, yeah, this yeah. is very explicitly going out at sunset. Interesting choice, by the way, going out at sunset. Um, yeah. Not sure about that one, boys. <laughs> going out, no adult supervision when the sun <laughs> is setting. So, um, Did you get well. told that it's um, that the whole, that they're out for about four hours, mm-hmm. um, which is apparently longer than they're supposed to be because it got lost. <laughs> um, so it's interesting. It's interesting that um, this is something that they've gone out, you know, according to Huey dozens of times. Um, so John's obviously okay with probably not this late, but uh, <laughs> it's an interesting kind of look at like this is a level of freedom that they're allowed, that this is something they're, they're able to do. Um, yeah, and they've got a very because they, they do it so often. They have a very kind of set in stone way of doing it, which is that yeah. you know Huey's in charge of the actual organization and the checklist. He's doing a lot of like older brother stuff, being res- very responsible. This episode, um, mm-hmm. he's really establishing that dynamic. Um, he's organizing them. Um, the other two have their own little jobs, <laughs> which you know. Um, uh, just to keep them busy. But at least Webby, without anything really to do or to bring to the table. Um, mm-hmm. So she's... Webby, up until this point, has been kind of 
using what she can offer as a way to kind of make herself to kind of validate herself within like the the family structure she has to be able she has to be bringing something that's valuable Mm -hmm. um and in this circumstance she just can't because she's not involved in this um Huey kind of shoots down her hot dog uh suit suggestion (laughs) she comes up she um I love uh webby kind of um disaster scenario planning but just the most batshit scenarios which is um you know they get stranded they run out of food and uh they wear hot dog costumes so that louis doesn't eat them yeah because (laughs) louis hates hot dogs um and he's like fair enough i don't like hot dogs (laughs) that makes sense um but it's just it's just like a a fun example of of her desperately trying to kind of be a part of this dynamic really in the only way she knows how which is planning for the worst possible thing to happen yeah um, which is you know and... you'll need me then <laughs> exactly yeah so yeah she, she really wants to be part of the adventure here and she's trying to make herself as useful as possible mm. um and uh it, it's because this is obviously her central motivation for the episode is that she wants to be a part of things um and it's very like very telling of how isolated she's been that she just like she sees this dynamic um and obviously she thinks from the outside which is they're so close, they know each other so well, they spend so much time together. Um, and as the episode goes on, she gets more of a look at how when you're close to somebody, you fight a lot. But yeah. um, she's just so desperate right at the outset here just to be part of something, which is really sad. She's so, like, she's so lonely. It is. It really is. And also, it doesn't help that the person that she's kind of interacting with most here is Huey who is very good at, like, bringing people in and involving people, but not when it clashes with the way he's trying to do something. Yes. And this particular trip has to be done a certain way. So we yes. can't introduce any new element. Yes. Um, something interesting that I noticed about how uh, Huey, Huey and Webby talk in this is um, Huey kind of reacts to Webby's, like, because Webby's kind of like, what can I do to help? Is there anything else you need? Huey reacts to that kind of from the perspective of interpreting it as worry about, like, like anxiety about some things going wrong. Mm-hmm. Because um, he's, like, reassuring her, like, it's fine, the boat won't sink plenty of times. Um, so he's interpreting it, like, from his perspective, which is, you know, thinking something's going to go wrong, rather than from her perspective, which is just, like, a desperate grab at being involved in it. Which is just very yeah. interesting. Kind of a really, a really nice, like, piece of subtle character writing, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, and it really kind of does establish this thing that we're going to see through the episode, which is kind of misinterpreted, um, which is that Huey, because Huey is the one who kind of Webby is mainly interacting with in this episode as a boys, um, isn't excluding her or making any kind of conscious effort to make her feel like she's not involved or not wanted. It's Mm -hmm. just that they're misunderstanding each other. You know? Yeah, it's just like a, a completely unintentional miscommunication. And that's the thing about this, this story is that like it is, uh, it, is, it is about Webby feeling excluded, but it is not about the triplet purposely excluding her. It's yeah. just they're both kind of missing the point of what each other kind of wants. Yeah, and it's establishing a kind of um, a dynamic that I think we've all experienced, which is being on the outskirts of a very close-knit group. Yes. Um, and not having a place in that group. We get this great bit in uh, taking it taking it bit by bit. Uh, we find out that, you know, according to Huey's schedule, his itinerary, 
you know, Louis in charge of the canteen, which he drinks all the water. Um, <laughs> and Dewey's in charge of the paddles. And he leaps into the boat with the paddles and lands on Louis and, and he tackles him. Yeah. And what we're there is a lot of very cute kind of like a like little like little wrestling There is it's very cute. I love how much they're just like they just kinda of like doing little kid fighting is very sweet. I love that. It's something else that's very much established is that the the sibling dynamic. Um when they're not on an adventure and when they're not, you know, under threat of death or whatever. Yes. That when they're try when they're doing something or hanging out with each other this is the dynamic that arises. Louie and Dewey fight with each other over little things. Huey tries to break them up and gets frustrated. Huey mm-hmm. kind of bosses them around. You know, this, yeah. is the, this is the kind of setup that they have. Um, mm. And it's a lot of very cute little kind of like sibling fighting and teasing. Um, and they're, um, Dewey kind of tries to include her in like the in-joke, which is Captain Lost. Um, so yeah. Louis can't read the map because he's very bad directions and he always gets them lost when he, when they give him the map. Um, and, you know, they're like kind of, oh, I guess you have to be there. And Dewey's like, well, now you will be. So he's again, yeah. always trying to look forward and kind of look on the bright side, which is like, yeah, so whatever, you haven't been here up till now, but now you yeah. will be with us and now we'll have new in-jokes and whatever. Exactly, and it's, it's again, it's, it's Dewey leading the leading the charge for inclusion, which is very nice. I'm so glad that it's like a, it, it's it's a very consistent thing that it's always Dewey being yeah. the first, and now like you know you're a part, you're like you're a part of this group. Um, yeah, it's a running thing, and it's something that it's a sentiment that's actually going to be echoed by Lena later, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of like oh they have so much history together, and Lena says well now we have history together, and it's kind of the same sentiment that's that's being said here which is that it doesn't really matter how things have been in the past because now you're here and we can include you from things from now on um yeah but unfortunately that can't happen when they all can't fit in the boat and one of them has to give up (laughs) and then you know huey offers offers to give her his spot which is nice Mm -hmm. it's a it's nice little bit of huey kind of being the oldest sibling being the responsible one being well, I, I'm going to give up my spot. You know, you can take my place, Webby. I'm the person mm-hmm. who should be offering this. Yeah. It's my job. Um, but Webby refuses, and it's very, you know, anyone who's been in that situation can see why she refuses. You don't want to break that up. You'd feel like a burden the whole time. Yeah, exactly. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's Webby saying, like, it's okay, even though it very clearly is not. Like, he's obviously quite sad about this and um but it's just like a she's putting you know what she presumes to be their happiness before her own like she's thinking oh well if if I kind of force myself in here then one of them will be left out and like she knows how terrible it is to be left out and she doesn't want to inflict that on somebody else yeah but um it's one of those things where the boys don't really like because they've always had each other they don't really understand like or realize how upset that she is because to them it's mm-hmm. like oh well you know like because she says it's fine she says she's happy to go when they get back and like you know it's fine yeah but, um it's very clearly not <laughs> yeah for webby it's a bit of a it's a bit she's a, kind of between a rock and a hard place because if she goes mm-hmm. with them then she's displacing one of the boys and she thinks that she's going to be seen as like a burden or an intrusion or be the reason that one of them can't enjoy the trip um 
the whole time. And if she stays out, then it's a symbol of that she'll never be in, that she'll never be part of this group. You know, the yeah. boys are kind of seeing it as like, yeah, okay, this one time Webby can't come with us. Um, and that's just it. It's an isolated incident. But for Webby, it kind of means a lot more than that. It kind of represents yeah. her being left out, you know, of the of the family as a whole. Mm. Um, so again, it's a it's a it's a it's they're children and they can't really see things from each other's perspective. So Yeah, like obviously kids don't have a lot of grasp of like complex empathy at this point. So yeah. it's like again, not malicious on anybody's part. This is just kind of an unfortunate uh happenstance where Yeah. They've just they again it's just the miscommunication where nobody kind of is realizing specifically what people want from a situation. Yeah, and if you've been eleven years old, then like this has happened to you. And yes. it's very it's kind of tapping into a very a very familiar, I think, situation that we've all kind of been in. And it's a familiar dynamic that is kind of unique to small children. Um because as you get older, um and the people around you kind of but like as you get older, it's the situation stops happening, you know? <laughs> You're not on the playground anymore. <laughs> Um, but you know, as you get older, um, it sometimes does become malicious or does kind of, you know, it broadens out. Um, and it's really unique to children, this kind of like this exclusion and feeling left out based solely on misunderstandings, which are just kind of unfortunate. Um, so it's a very, it's a very, um, it's a very nicely handled kind of plot point. It's yeah. something that I think resonates uh, when you're watching. Yeah, and it's I really it is it's very well done. Like, uh, it would be so easy to make the boys seem like huge dicks in this situation. Like, it would be so yeah. easy to make them seem callous and uncaring. But having yeah. things like them genuinely being like Dewey, especially genuinely being really enthusiastic about her coming along, mm-hmm. and clearly they're not like. You know, clearly they're not kicking up a fuss about like, oh, I can't believe, you know, where he has to be here, which is coming a long way from uh, Deja of Doom, where they're like, yeah. this is why we shouldn't have invited Webby. Yeah, um, I, so I was but, thinking yeah. out there about how this is very much building off what we've been in. What, this is kind of like a reach, almost a retake of Day Trip of Doom, taking some of the similar situations, um, but expanding yeah. on it. Yes, and so they, they're giving them, uh, given that they're, better understanding of Webby as a person and their stronger friendship with her. They're actually, they're, they're genuinely enthusiastic to have Webby here. And, uh, like, Dewey is the one who obviously always leads the charge, but Huey is the one who offers to, you know, give Webby his, his space on the boat, which is not something that he would have done back in mm-hmm. Day of Doom. Yeah. Um, so it's, a nice, it's, it's, it's really nicely handled and it really shows that they aren't being they aren't being mean. They aren't deliberately excluding her. It's just an unfortunate thing that's happened because nobody really <laughs> understands. Well, the, the boys specifically don't really understand how much this means to Webby. Yeah. Because if the thing is, the thing is, if they like, if they if they completely understood, like if they had the perspective of, you know, Webby thinks that you know she's not a part of our group because you know she she's not like our sister or whatever, or she hasn't grown up with like siblings or friends. Mm-hmm. If they understood that, if they had that knowledge, then they would be way more proactive with actually bringing her into this. They would be more uh, determined to find a solution to fit them all in the boat or whatever. Yeah. But they're just kind of taking things at face value, which, again, is not their fault. 
yeah, it's just a it's, nice way of uh, it's it's really nicely done in that nobody is the villain in a scenario. Everyone's yeah. kind of you know everyone's losing, but nobody's doing anything out of out of like <laughs> cruelty. Yeah, it is. Um, it's it's a nice long way from Day Trip of Doom because again, in Day Trip of Doom, I think we went over like some of it is cruelty. It's lashing out. It's feeling. Yeah. It's feeling like threatened and feeling you know feel like feeling inconvenienced by a new person and yeah. taking it out on that person particularly yeah. i hate i hate to say it because i love him but with louis he's particularly kind of spiteful um, yes when he's, and he's, when he's, he's saying, the one like, who thanks Webby. yeah he's kind of the person who says the most kind of um hurtful things you know yes. like well, you've in, got... in the most intentionally hurtful things especially but yes um because you've got kind of Dewey, who's again her champion the whole time. He's the one who's trying to be, who's like nicest to her consistently, who's kind of always trying to involve her. But you know, his his like, I guess failing is that he gets kind of distracted and 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 swallowed yeah. up in 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 his high, losing his high score and and lets her kind of wander <laughs> off. Um, and Huey's just trying to keep everything moving. He's trying to keep the trip together. He's just trying to get them there. And you know, yeah, he's kind of sees Webby as a bit of an inconvenience in that regard, and that she's kind of mm-hmm. that she's directly impeding that. Um, but Louis's the one who's kind of really lashing out at her um, when he's upset. Um, and we don't luckily like you know that kind of lashing out and that kind of you know callousness isn't coming through here because they've been closer. Yeah, um, they spent more time together. They understand each other more, and you know, obviously, they've gotten over the whole like Webby feeling like she's weird. Obviously, yeah. like, you know, not completely gotten over, but that was like the main issue of Danger of Doom was was Webby trying very hard to be normal yeah. and worrying that you know she's never going to be normal, so they're not going to like her. So that's not the issue anymore, which is good. So they're all yeah. at least partially on the same page about yes, we want to be friends. We accept you. You are one of us. You're not like you don't have to be somebody or not. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's just it really is just such an unfortunate uh roadblock here, which <laughs> causes this whole terrible sequence of events um with the uh, kidnapping and um whatnot. But um yeah yeah tends to happen. Whenever <laughs> whenever there's like these sibling fights, they always get kidnapped. Always seems <laughs> seems to go on. Uh, so the brothers kind of paddle away in the kayak, and they again. Because they just don't understand the scope of what this means to Webby. They yeah. think it's just one kayak trip that she won't be on, and they'll do bunch of, a bunch of other fun stuff with her, and that's fine. Um, yes. But for Webby, because children are children, and they live in the moment, and they aren't looking at things with perspective and going, oh, well, you know, I'll hang out with them more next time we're doing something. Or I'll, or I'll like, make it more clear that I want to be included, you know? Mm-hmm. They don't, she doesn't really have the perspective to do that so instead she's thinking they've excluded not you know not purposely but i've been excluded from this activity it's the end of the world they don't want me <laughs> yes. as, their, as their family yes. my life is over this sucks like you know she's kind of she's she's kind of spiraling but very quietly here yeah. um and so she's feeling very alone and she's got nothing to do and then a, suddenly a bottle washes up on the shore containing a cry for help from a lost sailor um and there's a very funny fake out with a theme with the theme song here 
where the theme song plays and so you're like okay this yes. is an episode about webby going on her own personal adventure to save a lost sailor and then <laughs> it just kind of flips and we find and there's a bunch of other notes so the sailor note is obviously a fake um someone's writing you know fake pleas for help and putting them in bottles and they're washing up yes it's um it's such a it's such a webby thing to kind of uh be distracted from you know this very emotional moment to be to see like a potentially very dangerous adventure and go yes this is what i'm doing today you know like fuck, yeah. fuck having an fuck, fucking fuck having like you know an emotional moment i'm gonna go like save a, save a <laughs> from the whirlpool. Um, it was emotional no i wasn't um <laughs> what i do like about this is that like you know we talked about there is that how she feels she has to kind of bring something to the table and her experiences with adventuring and with like you know with being physically capable and like quick-witted and knowledgeable Mm -hmm. about all kinds of things which is not necessary on a kayak trip so she (laughs) because you know they've got it all covered so she doesn't feel like she can bring anything to the table because what she usually brings to the table is adventuring skills and now she's like cool i'm not like there's nothing wrong with me I'll just go on an adventure <laughs> where my <laughs> skills are needed. Yeah. So she follows the bottles because they're all kind of like bobbing along in the water up the mm-hmm. coastline. And there's this flooded amphitheater, which is one of my favorite settings because it's not very... I love this. It's not very like, it's not very, um, there's not a lot of attention brought to it. Uh, it's, yeah. it's not, but it's a very, it's an incredibly cool setting. Just this. It's so cool. It's awesome. It's like, uh, I don't know. I'm just really obsessed with this, like the like the like a flooded theater. Like it's so cool. Yeah, really and is. there's um there's actually like set dressing and stuff. There's like these cardboard yeah. stars and stuff, like the oral wooden stars, I imagine. Um, and things hanging down. It it's all yeah. ruins. It's all flooded. Um, we'll find out later that Lena lives underneath it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a very very cool setting. It's a very cool setting that isn't very um that isn't like you know. They don't make a they don't make a meal of it. They don't like yeah, be like, yeah. oh my it's, god, this is a flooded amphitheater. This is so fucking cool. It's like, no, it's just a place. Yeah. It's really cool. It kind of it's like it, it kind of lets it speak for itself in like it's not really like mythologized or anything. It's just like a cool place that they go to like now and then like like once more in um, Shadow War. Do they ever yeah. go back to it apart from the like this episode and then uh and then Shadow War? I don't know. I feel like because because like obviously the thing was the thing with Lena is that she never invites them back to her place obviously for obvious reasons. Yeah. So I think I think that maybe we maybe we see it a couple more times like just like Lena uh, scenes with Magica. But yeah, it's so cool. It's like it's a little bit like I do kind of wish there was like more done with it, but it's also very cool to just kind of like have this awesome like implied like in like it like it kind of like an implied setting almost like. We don't know what yeah. happened. We don't know why it's abandoned, why it's flooded. We don't know what happened here. It's just really cool. It's just a cool yeah. setting. For a cool it's scene. very understated. And what's also very smart about using this amphitheater for several scenes in this is that because obviously it's in ruins, you know, there's no walls. It's just kind of pillars and stuff. And it means that yes. you can get kind of the full effect of like the sunset kind of time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of like, you know, dusk tends to be kind of an otherworldly um time of day and it kind of adds this very this very pleasant atmosphere to this kind of first meeting between Webby and Lena. Mm-hmm. 
and then they'll come back to the amphitheater when night has fallen and it'll be a bit more sinister you know yeah uh which is kind of a which is a nice little a nice little metaphor as to as to lena herself you know yeah uh, you know like uh cool by day kind of spooky by night yeah on. but um hey speaking of lena hi hi lena hi hi she she finds a mysterious teenager oh my god uh i do, would like to point out at this point that you know frank has said that uh that lena is only like a year older than webby yeah there's very there's lots of like the kind of the, the age question with Lena is very strange and interesting. It is interesting because Magica mentions having been trapped in the dime for fifteen years, so a lot of people yes. assume that that that's when like Lena was born. Yeah, but it seems that it was actually a couple years after that. There's a little kind of conflicting information because I think I think that she actually says that like she she made Lena like like when she was taken into the dime, which would be fifteen years ago. But then Lena also kind of was quote-unquote born as she looks now so it's not like yeah. she has like aged 15 years so yeah. i think probably most likely what is what it is is that she was kind of quote-unquote born as like an ambiguous like 12 13 year old and it's mm-hmm. just kind of like how like how she's existed because you know <laughs> spoilers but she's not like she is she is a being made of shadow she's not like a, yeah. a physical human being let's say for the sake of it yeah um <laughs> um but um yeah yeah so the, the confirmation from from frank is that she's a year older than webby which uh makes sense she doesn't yeah because if she was if she was 15 webby's supposed to be like 11 or 12 if she was yeah. 15 then it would be uh the dynamic would be a little bit strange um, yeah it would be a there would be a bit of a gap i think i think it's a lot more effective with her as being like 13 like 12 13 webby's like 11 going on 12 right like mm-hmm. at the start of the show the boys are 10 um yeah. and we don't get any milestones we get christmases but we don't get any milestone stones of their birthdays which i think is really mm. interesting that there's no birthday episodes yeah. um mm. other than for scrooge but uh so kind of the boys are 11 by the time that like by like mid-season two because we get a line from Dewey that's like, you know, you owe me 11 years of turbo. <laughs> <laughs> um, and obviously Della's been gone for 10 years at the start. Yes. So they're 10 going on 11. Webby's a bit older than them. She's like 11 going on 12. So she's like 12, you know, by the time the kind of current point in the series. And yeah. Lena's like 13, right? Yeah, which makes sense because she was, um, she was, uh, kind of like her, uh, her kind of title, I guess, pre-release was well-traveled teen. Yes, um, and, and I think that thirteen is the perfect point. She feels everything about her design is very thirteen years old. It's so charming. It's very charming, uh, and it's really good also because Webby has this very much like cool older girl kind of um, respect for Lena, and a lot mm-hmm. of that is like exemplified in the vast. Untra- untraversable gap between being 12 years old and being 13 years old. <laughs> there is, um, I, I vividly remember, like, being, I remember being 12, and I remember, because I'm, uh, I was younger than pretty much everybody else in my year at school, because, mm-hmm. um, I was born the stupid time of year. I can't remember. So I, like, turned... <laughs> you were younger than everybody else at school because you were born later than them. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in February. It was like the um, I don't know, I don't know. But the 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 point is that I'd like turned 
uh, I turned 13 kind of like pretty much in like the year after everybody else did. So all my mm-hmm. friends were already 13 and I was 12. And it was just this very like, there's like something about becoming a teenager and there's this, this very interesting mental gap where you're like, oh, this is like, this is really growing up. This is like actually growing up. And then you get there and you're like, oh, well. This is exactly <laughs> <okay>. the same. <laughs> yeah (laughs) yeah so webby i think kind of sees lena as this more grown-up person um yeah than there actually is you know in terms of physical physical maturity but like difference of like physical maturity between them um yeah that they're you know it's the gap between being a being a preteen and being a teen um yeah in like in in actuality there is no there is no gap it doesn't mean anything like no, there is, like, there but is, it means no a lot to you when you're 12. Yeah, exactly. uh, it's real in that. But um, for, we- for Webby, for Webby, seeing this cool older girl who's like wearing eyeshadow and she's got dyed hair and she's wearing yeah. a cool shirt, she's wearing sneakers. It's very much like, well, everything about her design is very just like teen, trying yeah. to like seem very like mature in how they dress and how they like how they put like you know how they present themselves. Um, yeah. It's very cute. I, I I love I love her design. It's so charming. Yeah, and Webby seems so childish in comparison. You know, she's like yeah, because then you stand her next to Lena, and she's got like the bow in her hair, and she's got like the, the like the like the, the pleated skirt, and it's mm-hmm. very um, it's a very uh very obvious like design contrast. And yeah. then obviously later on, as they actually become close friends, there is less of that kind of idolization, like the kind of Webby sees Lena more as best friend rather than incredibly cool older girl yeah. um but obviously for the sake of this introduction that lena needs to be cool disaffected really mature does what she wants which is yeah. um very very incredibly incredibly cool to webby she yeah and right phenomenal. especially especially right now in webby's in, in like webby the kind of point that webby's at at this point she sees lena and she's like this girl doesn't need anyone this girl isn't worrying mm-hmm. about whether she fits in she doesn't need family She's just hanging out, you know? Like, yeah. she wants to kind of, she, she kind of idolizes uh, Lena because she doesn't really seem to have the problems that Webby has right now. Yeah. Um, which is a fer- very common thing for kids to, for kids to idolize people for. Uh, so she, Webby kind of finds out that Lena has been uh, putting, writing these notes and putting them in bottles and sending them down the, down the coast as a, as a game. Um, yeah. But Webby doesn't really get it, and the reason she doesn't get it is because it's kind of mean spirited, you know. Yeah, and it's it's very um, it's it's kind of like uh, a, a, a little bit of a recurring joke in this episode is Webby not understanding sarcasm, which um, I mean, a um, little bit behavior. Not gonna lie, <laughs> this whole um, scene is very much um, because I pointed out, I think, yesterday that when Lena walks away, Webby's doing raptor hands. Yeah. Yes. It's very this this episode is fantastic. I hope, oh, and it's there is it's so a much. held pose. It's it it it, it attracts yeah. to uh to 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 the camera switches um mm-hmm. camera switches to to be looking at Lena and Webby's in the background. She's still doing raptor hands, um, mm-hmm. so it's very cute. Um, yeah. So the bobs are kind of designed to trick people into thinking, oh god, there's someone out there who needs my help, which you know yeah. isn't really a nice isn't isn't very nice. Um, no. But Webby's too excited about meeting someone new to think about that right now. Um, yeah. And she introduces herself very excitedly, and 
Nina doesn't introduce herself at this point, but she does very delicately shake Webby's hand with two of her fingers. <laughs> the two-fingered is kind of, you know, like yeah. disaffected emo style, just like, ah, yeah, sure. Like, I don't really want to touch you kind of thing. It's very cute. It's very, very, it's a very characterful little moment. Yes. Um, and yeah. Webby points out that Lena has an ancient Sumerian talisman, but the team brushes mm. it off as having come from a thrift shop. So it's an yeah. interesting thing. For, for one thing, it's setting up obviously a plot point. For the other thing, it's kind of showing how eager Webby is to look at things through a certain lens. Because yeah. um, Lena could just have easily said, no, this is made of glass, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or something. And then yeah. obviously she does say that it's her thrift shop, which kind of establishes Dina as this kind of alternative fashion type, you know, yeah. someone who picks up accessories at thrift shops and yeah, you know, and and takes takes shirts from the lead singers of bands that you saw in Paris, which yeah. is which is that um, band is actually going to show up later as uh, as being uh, the inspiration for Jewish hairstyle. Um, yeah, which is very <laughs> it's cute. Great. It's really uh, cute. Um, so she's kind of dazzling Webby with her like her kind of independence and worldliness. Yes, I love the um, I love like Webby trying so so hard to start a conversation with this just incredibly like does not like Lena very obviously does not like want to engage in conversation, but Webby again using social cues. Interesting. Yep. That's all I'm gonna mm-hmm. say. Um, and then it's just there's this very sweet thing where where Lena mentions that she's been to Paris, and Webby's like, "Oh my god, you've been to Paris!" And it's like, "Well, Webby, you've been to Atlantis." So. I know. It really <laughs> just show how like there's this perceived disconnect between going places on adventures and going places as a real person. Um, yeah, because she kind of um, knows that the experiences that she has on has on adventures aren't relatable to any normal people. Um, yeah. So, kind of going going to Paris to fucking beat the shit out of the hunchback of Notre Dame is not the same <laughs> thing as going to Paris as a normal person. Also, gets a little bit where she says that she wants to explore the prison catacombs and touch a skull. But I would like to point out that she sees a skeleton. She found a dead body a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you touch his skull, huh? I think Webby should should make it her goal to like see a skeleton on like every continent. Um, <laughs> that would be good. Um, so it's just like very like very cute like display of Webby's priority. Yeah, and she she wants to go to Paris because it's an exciting place, but she also still wants to go to Paris to crawl through the catacombs. Which yeah, is like yeah. a very Webby perspective on it. It is. I also do. I think we kind of mentioned it in passing, but I absolutely love her asking. You know. I think someone's put some pink in your hair as a prank. Yeah, <laughs> she's so she's cute. so sheltered. She is so sheltered. It's so it is so cute. Um, it really just shows like where we're just trying desperately to relate to people, and um, you know, missing the mark obviously because she's 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 never met anybody like Lena before. She has been she's been surrounded by terrible boys for like the past like how many like weeks or months, and then like. Mm-hmm terrible old Scrooge and then her grandmother she's never met a girl her age no she really hasn't and she's like even more desperate to connect with her and again we're seeing Webby at this like kind of low point where she's feeling very left out she's feeling very alone she's kind of desperate to to find something which is why she's 
so persistent with Lena, kind of trying at trying. Um, yeah. So she kind of accidentally knocks the last ball into the water and she does some acrobatics to get it back. And so Lena finally introduces herself at this point um, because she's impressed. Mm. She asks her if she's from the circus. And I just really, really <laughs> like this bit where Webby kind of spouts some circus trivia and then panics over it because this it isn't is what people terrible. do. It is, it, is, it is just like Webby just being entirely aware that this is not how you're supposed to have conversations, but she doesn't know how to have conversations. I just, I love the detail of Webby like bringing out random trivia as like, because it's, it's a very like, um, it's a very, uh, it's a very like autistic thing to do, just kind of like know something tangentially related and just like bring it out as like a desperate attempt to kind of relate. Um, I also, I also would just like to point out, Webby didn't need to like, f- like do like, like flip oh, the over flips. the she, she could have walked and just picked up the bottle <laughs> from the water. Yeah. <laughs> I. Desperately trying to like, very obviously trying to impress Lena. Um. I really like, like Lena calling her flippy because it is yeah. a bit of a it is a bit of a backhanded thing. Because Webby's like introduced herself. Lena hasn't up to this point. Lena then just goes for the goes for the not like derogatory name, but just kind of a little bit. I don't really care. Like what mm-hmm. your name is. Like I know you can introduce yourself. I don't really care. Um, but then she finally does introduce herself. Um, yeah, which is nice. Yeah, so she kind of walks off and then kind of in a very in a very cool offhand teen way. She kind of, in passing, invites Webby to a party on the edge of town. But Webby's kind of instantly like, oh, hang on. I'm supposed to be waiting for my friends. And if they come back and I'm gone, they're going to be very worried, which is very, very <laughs> responsible. And Lena's kind of like, no, come on, it'll be fine. You know, if, if, if you wait, then the party will be over. Um, <laughs> so... We get this kind of a bit of a it's a bit of a heel turn from Lena from like kind of trying to being very blase towards Webby and kind of being kind of taken away of it and then encouraging her to come. Yeah. Kind of pushing her um to hang out with her. Um so it it's this kind of very calculated interaction where she's always kind of trying to seem to Webby like she's on the verge of walking away. Um mm. It's interesting for reasons I think we'll get into later um, regarding who Lena is and what her uh, what her intentions are at this point in the story. Yes. Um, at first, Webby's very excited just because she thinks blowout means explosion. <laughs> <laughs> very cute. Um, yeah. But she, she is no less excited, really, at the party. Like, she's like, she really wants to see an explosion, but Lena's like, no, it's, it's a party. Um, and the thing is, Webby's also never been to a party ever. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, it's still an experience, um, and like it's very cute that um, the uh, we get like a little bit of an echo of um, earlier uh, with the boys when they were making their uh, Captain Lost joke. Webby kind of laughs along, pretending that mm-hmm. he knows what's happening. And then when Lena is like, "Blowout means party," Webby's like, "Oh yeah, I knew that. I knew that. It's fine." She's <laughs> <laughs> kind of like trying to like pretend that she knows what's going on, even though she has no idea. I want to ask something because mm-hmm. this is something I really need to know. Did at any point in this conversation, did Webby mention the boys or that she'd been left on the beach? I don't think she did, which is also something I know. Um, because later on, Lena's going to say, "Oh, are these the same? These are the same friends who left you alone on that beach." 
And I was thinking at that point, hang on. Mm. I don't remember where we actually mentioned that. So I'm wondering whether it's something that I missed or if it's an example of Lena being a little bit... Mm. Yeah, I was was keeping an eye on this because I remember... um, Because the the other possibility is that it's entirely... It's entirely possible that at some point, while they're walking through the junkyard, that Webby was just kind of talking about the boys. That is something that she's very likely to do. But I do Mm -hmm. think it's interesting if she doesn't mention and then is inexplicably aware of who they like, who they were that they left her on the beach. The implication that she was um, that maybe she was watching. Yeah. So um, very interesting. It is interesting. There's actually a transcript of this episode. Um, oh, good. She does, well, like, as we did point out, she does say that she's waiting for her friends. Um, so that could be it. Mm. Um, but, you know, we don't actually know. I don't yeah. think she ever says, I oh, I'm... I got left on the beach because my friends wanted yeah. to go kayaking. Yeah, I think it's kind of, um, it's, I think, I, think, I think the thing is it could go either way. It could be just, like, implied that Webby told her or that it's like you know something that she put together from context clues. I also do like the possibility that Lena just knows more than she should. Mm-hmm. Very Yeah. So Lena brings her to the junkyard and we kind of see why she wanted Webby to come because she thought that she could use her. Um so Webby she wants Webby to use her parkour skills to 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 climb over the wall and open a gate. So you know we get a little bit of like Lena using Webby, which unfortunately yeah. is kind of something that happens a lot. Like we're kind of going from uh, we're kind of going from like eleven year olds uh, treating each other badly to like what happens with thirteen year olds <laughs> a kind of uh, a common a common form of like you know mistreatment with like thirteen year olds or like you know teenagers in general is being friends with someone because you can use them in some way. Um. Anyone who's ever anyone who's ever been befriended because they wanted to copy your homework. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I am aware of that one. <laughs> yep. So it's a, I think it's an interesting how how Webby's kind of relationships are kind of evolving, you know, from yeah. from like preteen to teenager, but she's getting mistreated both ways. Yeah, it's it's and it's again it's one of those things that's like very obvious from the outside, but as as viewers and also probably we as adults can see that Lena's very obvious. She only became interested in Webby when it was a little uh, skill that doing some sweet lips. So it's very mm-hmm. obvious that Lena is only really at this point interested in Webby because of but Webby, on the other hand, is so desperate for friends and so desperate for Lena to like her and think that she's cool. That she mm-hmm. either doesn't notice or notices but doesn't care. Um, both of which are very sad. They are very sad. It's unfortunate. I really don't think it that Webby notices that much, you know? Or that she doesn't really see the. I think a lot of the time when you're in that situation, you might recognize that you're being used, but you don't see why it's bad. Yeah, you're like, well, it's like, well, I'm helping my friend. Like, you know, why is that bad? You're, you're not thinking about, like, okay, what happens when I can't help them anymore? Like, what happens when they don't need me? Uh, you're not really seeing that far ahead because you're a child. So, you know, whether it's Webby just, like, not really recognizing that 
being used is not a good like basis for a friendship mm. um or just like actually just not picking up on it is interesting so like what's interesting here is like we know we're gonna find out at the end of the episode that Dina has been talking to magica but she hasn't um joined her yet as such joined her is a bit of a nebulous term because she's created by magica she's bound to her there's no real way that she can like not join her yeah. but there was some agreement that you had to make with magica that she decides to to make at the end of the sh- at the end of this episode yeah so we don't know how much of this how how much of what she's doing beforehand of what we're seeing now is influenced by magica and in what ways mm-hmm. whether you know we talked a little bit about it whether lena like was watching Webby and the boys and befriended Webby for that reason. You know, her, I think, I think her actions in the amphitheater do come off as very calculated as a very carefully kind of tuned way of, uh, of getting someone interested in being your friend, but keeping them at an arm's distance so that they're trying, you know, that they're always kind of trying to be your friend and not really stopping to consider whether they want to be your friend. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what Lena's doing there. Mm. Um, so it does come off as very calculated, as very like, it's very much like she does want to be friends with Robbie, Webby, or like she does want Webby to want to be friends with her. Yeah. Um, and whether like that's on Magica's behest or what. And then obviously the other explanation is like she either extrapolated from what we saw Webby tell her. Or like Webby told her off screen that the boys left her behind. She wasn't spying on them. And that she really does. She really did just want to use Webby's parkour skills and only just turned around when uh, when she saw her doing her acrobatics and decided that she could be yeah. useful. You know, those kind of the, they're both not very nice, but they're the two, <laughs> they're the two kind of interpretations. Yeah. But the reason that I find it interesting is that Lena's insistence on going to a Beagle birthday party is interesting. Mm-hmm. Because it's not like a cool party. They've not got like no, fun stuff sucks. or whatever. It kind of fucking sucks. It's a party for one person and that one person is a bitch. So. Yeah. So like if we take kind of the first explanation is that, you know, he's doing things on like Magica's behalf, that she's kind of been instructed to do these things. Um, you know, did Magica want her to go to that party? Did Magica want mm. her to talk to Mobile or have any kind of was there any reason? You know, we mm. know that Magica and Mobile share a common enemy in Scrooge. We know that the yeah. Beagles are thieves and Magica's primary goal right now is stealing the dime, you know. Mm. I, it's very interesting. There is there is definitely a lot of uh, a lot of speculating to be done about how much of this is Magica's plan. Um, yeah, and how much is just Lena being kind of aimless how, and not really ha- knowing what to do. Because the thing is, like, Lena kind of like cracking the the legal birthday party as like as just like her being just like a shitty team doing this because it's funny. That that also isn't like you know that's not completely outlandish because it could be in to her very entertaining to just kind of like cause a little bit of mayhem at Beagle Boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, caught off kilter. And like it's also kind of like um like she 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 says to Webby Webby displays the barest hesitation at breaking in and then he says, Oh well it's not an adventure if you're not it's not an adventure if you're invited. Yeah. It's kind of like Lena just kind of doing things because she can, being rebellious because 
she's a teen, I guess. It could just be Lena just being rebellious and just doing things because she can. Um, but it is, it does, it does like, there are interesting questions to be asked whether Magica wants her to do this, whether this is something that she's doing because she can, she's doing because it would annoy Magica, perhaps, because mm-hmm. it's like, it's not useful, it's just kind of causing trouble. There's lots of different interpretations, and um, I think all of them are very interesting. I do like the potential of Magica telling her to go to, like, you know, to, to kind of like have a, like, meet up with Mar Beagle and mm-hmm. like plan something like that. That's a very interesting angle. I think what I like about it is that they're all characterful, all these explanations. Yeah, yeah, you definitely. Because um, it definitely is very plausible that Lena is just being like a shitty teen and that she wants to crash a party um, that's full of criminals because it seems dangerous and fun. But yeah. What we see is that she didn't expect it to be this dangerous because she did not expect <laughs> Webby to have a long to have like an enmity with the with the beagles that was going to put them in actual danger. She expected, I yeah. think, the worst thing that would happen would be they'd get kicked out. So Webby gets the door open and Lena fist bumps her, which Webby's life up to this point is worth it. Unbearably um, cute. Honestly, I just <sighs> this episode really is just like like a, a just a constant slideshow of just reasons i love webby so much yeah this is the thing that this is the thing that kids do that friends do they fist bump it's so cute and like when lena's like you want to blow it up and like she does like the, the explosion that you do after you're up and uh, like a, a fist bump and webby just goes completely overboard with it it's yeah. so cute <sighs> so cute um and they go inside and we see the beagle boys she finds out that the party is a beagle boy party and it's my beagle's birthday and we get all of the beagle boys and my favorite off-brand beagles are the glam yankees <laughs> i love the glam Yankees. so we've got the original classic we have the glam yankees we have the deja vu deja vu we have the six avenue meanies the six avenue friendly the longboard taquito the deja vu <laughs> humble bombs the ugly failures and the deja vu <laughs> in I really like the posing of the deja vus. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very fun a visual gag. I love these very much. I love the like the individual like Beagle Boy factions. I think that mm-hmm. they are so cool. The Glam Yankees, I also did write the Glam Yankees are my favorite. Um <laughs> It's just such so it's just good. so funny. They're um, so good. They're so funny. Um, I also uh, would like to point out that like this is possibly my favorite thing that um, character actress Margo Mandel has ever said, which is like at the top of her lungs, like my boy, <laughs> my boys. <laughs> She's <laughs> so good. He's She's just so funny. So good. And also, she goes and the deja vu's <laughs> right at the end. She's getting sick of it. Yeah, it's very funny. Um, obviously, obviously, this is kind of like. The Beagle Boys is kind of like the comedy villain. Like they're yeah. very, they're very ineffectual most of the time, or at least the original classics are. They're quite ineffectual. They don't really, they're not actually that like legitimately threatening. So of course, like a lot of this is just kind of like visual gags, like the the obvious deja vu joke, and just like I, I just love the glam Yankees. I know I keep going back to it. I just love the glam Yankees. <laughs> the glam Yankees is such yes. a funny fucking concept. <laughs> Um, I also love the six seven you meet the six seven you Yes, very I like the, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so Webby kind of explains to Lena that she can't be at a Beagle Boy birthday. The Beagles are after her. She's not safe here. Um, mm-hmm. And immediately gets got by Bouncer, and she gets brought yeah. up to Ma Beagle. And Lena saves her by throwing the birthday cake into Ma's face. Yes. Um, uh, something that something that I really like here is um, big time trying to be like. <laughs> no, Ma told us not to mess with these kids anymore because you know it's 
going to cause a lot of trouble because Scrooge is going to get involved and it's going to be yeah. a huge mess. And then Ma Beagle is like, get those fucking kids. And then Beagle's <laughs> like, every time. He's <laughs> like, I just can't get it right. It's so funny. It's so... Big um, Time is such a funny character. Big Time is having the worst time. Um, <laughs> so they make their escape and the whole Beagle family is chasing them. And they chase them through town and they hide in an abandoned building. Um, first they get cornered in an alley by the original boys and they're in a fucking Mad Max ass truck with a teddy bear head on the grill. It's insane. It's so, it's like such a like, because you've got like the joke beforehand of like them being like, oh my god, we almost died. And then, and then they see the truck advancing, they're like, oh, we're gonna die. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's also like a fucking insane thing for the big boys to do. Drive a huge truck at these two children. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, and Webby saves them by climbing off the fire escape and getting the ladder to come down. Parkour. Um, yeah, parkour. And they 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 hide up on the on the roof. And Webby points out that she lives in the manor, which is mm-hmm. if we take you know this is po- very possibly the moment that Lena realizes that Webby is, um you know, of, of greater use to her than just parkour. Yeah. This is someone who lives in the manner that she needs to get into. Mm, there's, um, I, I, I love this little, this little moment they have on the roof. It's very cute because we've got, like, um, Lena, like, complimenting Webby on her skills and then Webby's like, are you being sarcastic? Okay. Was that sarcasm? It's, <laughs> yeah. like, a very funny joke. And then it's this so cute thing where like, Lena's like, how do you have beef with Ma fucking Beagle? And then we're like, we're like, oh, you know, I ensnared her in an improvised ball pit, ball pit man trap. And she just like crosses her legs very cutely. It's so Yeah, adorable. and she puts her hands in her lap. It's a very, very cute little pose. <laughs> it's a very and little kind just, of doll pose. You know? Yeah, and like doing this as she described, as she's describing how she got one over like a mob boss. Yeah. Um, and also we get the first pink. Yes, that's pink. The first nice nickname. Um, yeah. Which was just kind of like a little bit, not rude, but just a little bit like. Flippy. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's, a bit, it's a bit disdainful, you know. But um, Lena calls her pink. I, it's so cute when Lena calls her pink. It's so cute. I love it. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so like we've got the, if we get to Macduff Manor, then be safe there. And Lena, I do agree that this is probably the point where Lena, oh, I see. Interesting. Yeah. Because in, from, from here on, from, from here on, we get a lot more like like active like participation and like help from Lena. Like she seems a lot more enthusiastic about like about you know not just Webby being the one doing all the work. She also is trying to uh in like endear herself to Webby, which is mm-hmm. kind of a little bit of a a bit of a, a bit of a turn from her earlier behavior. Um, yeah, and then. <laughs> Before they could get to McDuck Manor, they are <laughs> set upon by the longboard Takikos. Yes, they're awesome. Foils so cool, to the max. They have <laughs> longboard. They have longboards and wingsuits. They're so yeah. cool. Yeah, they're like flying squirrels. Um, and <laughs> we awesome. get this, like like you were saying, this instant turn of 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 Lena uh, trying to contribute to like getting them away from the beagles um, by turning on the vent and sending them flying off into the sky like Team Rocket. <laughs> It's fantastic and very funny. They go down into the into the skylight uh, to hide in the building, but they find themselves mm-hmm. trapped trapped in there with the ugly failures. Ugly failures. The ugly failures are fantastic. I think I love them. Um, they're they're so cute. Honestly, the, the character design is very cool. Um, and we've got like um, so they're kind of uh trapped behind 
the kind of like trap, like a trap, like you know, the ugly failures are like blocking the exit, and Marv Eagles on the radio, and it's clearly like sending out like messages to find them captured. Um, and then we have this very cute scene of like Webby like trying to like make a plan, put something together, think her way out of the situation, which is something that she's good at. She's good at situations like you know, running from enemies, maneuvering, tactical situations, tactical of life situations, tactical you know. situations. Um, but then Lena just kind of <laughs> heads on out there with a very, very stupid, stupid plan that shouldn't work. Yeah, a very poor British accent, mostly. Um, and Webby kind of comes to her rescue with the help of her own flawless accent, um, mm-hmm. which I absolutely love the explanation for, which is pointing out the very real thing that she has been living with a British granny and a Scottish billionaire her entire life. She's never heard an American accent. There is no reason that she yeah. should have an American accent. I mean, but this one makes sense if she watches TV. Because um, yeah. that, uh, that is something that genuinely... There's, like, a lot of... Um, there's a lot of concern about, like, um, American TV shows, like, influencing, um, influencing, like, children from other countries to have American accents. This is, like, genuinely something that oh, people, like, no, it talk happens. about a lot. It happens here it's all so the crazy. time. It happens um, here. Like, yeah, there's, yeah. there's because all the most of the TV that people actually watch, like, there's plenty of Irish TV, but fucking nobody watches it because it's mostly shit. Um, but most of the TV that we actually do watch is either British or American. So, especially mm. like young kids, especially young kids who are like on the internet a lot, they kind of develop kind of American light Irish accents. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this, this is kind of a good explanation of why Webby has an American accent when yeah. realistically she's um, We also get, I, I, when she's explaining I, this, she says she says she didn't hear an American accent until she was seven. And I have a note here, which is, when did Launchpad start working for Scrooge? Ooh, that's an interesting point. I don't think we get any like confirmation that. on when Launchpad was working, how long Launchpad's been working for Scrooge. They get past the failures by pretending to be the Beagle Birds. Ma's adopted daughters from England, which is very stupid. Very, very stupid explanation. Mm-hmm. We also get a very funny little visual gag of Bottle parting his fringe to look at her with his special eyes. Lena stole his off. Oh, I, 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 literally, I literally wrote, oh my god, Lena stole his eyes. <laughs> she, she did, though. <laughs> I love, um, I love just the visual gag of him having the beautiful anime eyes. It's very good. Um, the whole like the whole Beagle Birds like scene is very funny. Um, I do like that. Uh, kind of like once Webby like grocks the plan, like once she actually knows what's happening, she's like quite good at it, and she's like a lot better at like the actual deception part of it. But mm-hmm. I do like that she's still like no, the fake names are terrible. Britannia and Ingleber. Yeah, <sighs> I love, I love their, love their ideas. They're British sonas. <laughs> So they they take the radio, which means that they can they can uh, keep a keep an ear out for what what Mobile is saying and instructing her her troops to do. Mm-hmm. And they take refuge in a playground. And Lena compliments Webby on her skills and quick thinking, which is another really cute little thing. Yeah. Um. But then she points out that uh, then she points out that the boys haven't treated her very great by leaving her alone on the beach. Yeah, it's very hard um to kind of like. Uh, talk about the scene because there, there's definitely two ways you can look at it. Like you can you can definitely look at this like being like 100% manipulation. Mm-hmm. Like Lena is completely just like doing this for the sake of getting close to Webby. But I also think that like Lena is genuinely impressed by Webby, yeah. and like she like the compliments that she's giving her do seem quite genuine. Like um the quick thinking and like, yeah, saying yeah. That, like she's really like she's really good at what she does because 
it's true. She's um, noticed these things. Like, it means that she's noticed these things about Webby, you know? Yeah. yeah. Whether she's just decided to point it out because because it's, it's advantages to the situation is, I think, another story. But we also get, like, in that same vein, the kind of line between, like, what is manipulation and what isn't. Um, when she points out that the boys left her alone, like, you could definitely look at it as being her way of manipulating Webby to be saying, you know, the boys aren't good friends to you, I'm a good friend to you, kind of separating her out from them, isolating mm -hmm. her. Or it could just be that Lena is a very yeah, cynical exactly. person, which she is. She has no good, she has no positive experience with family. Um, so it could just be, you know, this is how she sees the world. This is, you know, her pointing out that family sucks in her in her experience. Mm, exactly. And like, the, the, which is very sad. She has like very obvious reasons being hot on the concept and having very little faith um yeah. so i think i think the kind of like again i think it is kind of 50 50 kind of thing where she is saying those things partially as a means to get what it is but the kind of the things that she's saying is i think that she does kind of um she does kind of think that like the, the idea of family is a little bit of a, a little bit of a a bit of a a, <laughs> a terrible deal like there's no real good point in to her but um i do think that she's using this as like okay yes. well these, these guys weren't great for you See how much fun we're having together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry, hold on. Raven just texted me. Raven, get out of our podcast. There's also like a like a, a like a little thing I like to mention about this plot, which is like I really love the little like animation transitions between the playground equipment. Like um, mm -hmm. they're like they're like you know going wide and few bars and on the seesaw and everything. Um, it's just like a very small thing. It just kind of like makes flow very nicely, and like they could have easily not done it, but they mm -hmm. go to the effort of like carrying. Like, the momentum it's just very nice it's really good it's like one of the like the like the the attention to detail in this is really good i really like it this scene in particular is very impressive because what i noted about it was that um there's this bit where she's going through this very very like this again very real and very relatable scene of being 11 years old she's on the monkey bars and she's kind of saying no, no, they just, there wasn't enough room on the boat, you know? Um, yeah. And then she, the music changes. The music is beautiful. It's an abs it's absolutely wonderful uh, little thing of music in the scene. This very kind of, very sweet music that kind of turns a little bit melancholy as she kind of um, confesses that she feels kind of left out because they've got so much history together. And then mm. Lena tells her, you know, now we have history together. And they kind of have yeah. the, the Anglebeth and Britannia joke. Um, which is it, again it, the same sentiment that Dewey expressed at the start, but you know. yeah, like the idea that you know now we can have you know now we can have jokes together. Um, it's like it's such a like this is giving Webby just exactly what she wants. She wants shared experience. It's kind of mm -hmm. like fun with people that she like like fun that she understands, fun that she has like been a part of from the beginning. Yeah, um, I think that's very very like helpful for Webby specifically to meet Lena and for Lena to be somebody completely new. Whereas like yeah. if it was like if Lena was one of them, like, you know, knew the boys already or if like she was like a yeah. friend of a friend, then there would be still this sensation of having to out on something. Yeah. But since Lena is completely new, it's to kind of like she's like she like she's just Webby's friend in a way. Mm -hmm. Um which is definitely something that Webby uh really needs because she's isolated and then she, you know, she has like friends but the thing is that these friends have history 
have already. And it's something that she's never been able to have with yeah. a friend that is just her friend. And also Lena is, yeah, uh, yeah, so I was going to say, so Lena is just her friend. She's her special friend. She's not the boy's friend. Yeah. She's not even Oz's friend. She's her special friend. Yeah. Um, so they're bonding, and then they're interrupted by the boys kind of springing out of a bush, having been searching for Webby since they returned and found her gone. So they were looking for her this whole time. Um, Lena literally tackles Louis and traumatizes him for life. I love, I love, um, I love, like, Webby jumps off the seesaw and Lena, like, full, like, plummets to the ground and she runs up with, like, her hair messed up and in there. It's very, yeah. very, very fun. Uh, <laughs> I like it. Louis. So I find it interesting. I, find, I think Louis experiencing a bit of karma here from Day Trip of Doom that he was kind of a, a bit nasty to Webby during Day Trip of Doom. So in this episode, he's getting, like, he's having a bad time. Like, there's a lot of bad stuff that happens to Louis in this episode. Um, and we get this, we get this cute bit of like protective older sibling Huey, where he's yeah. like Louis clings to him, and Huey's kind of patting his head in this very kind of put upon fashion. Um, and Lena kind of is very dismissive of the boys when she meets them, kind of based on you know this kind of like, well, I'm friends with Webby, and you guys abandoned her. Um, and she points out the you're all exactly the same thing, and that was kind of their gimmick in the original Ducktales. It's very funny. Um, very funny pointing out there, like calling out the triple thing, which is very funny. And then, um, you know, as we found out from the Feathery Society, Huey, Dewey, and Louie being different people was was controversial to a lot of the classic. Very people. controversial. Surprisingly <laughs> controversial. Shockingly controversial to me. I, <laughs> I still don't understand the kind of like specific nostalgia for a character that is like. The same person copy pasted. Um, no, it doesn't I don't really think that ever well. Um, they're like their little bit of synchronization is very cute. I like that. Um, the, the same, the saying the same thing. I'm very cute. I also like that they say they all say establishmentarianism. Um, the longest word they can think of. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Um, when I was a kid, I learned how to spell anti-establishmentarianism. So the trick to like impress adults. <laughs> Party. <laughs> <laughs> I would often I one of my one of my character traits as a child was like knowing things to impress adults. I would know how to spell anti-disestablishmentarianism. I knew like 30 digits of pi. I knew how to spell flocky knocky nihilabilification. Um I just like oh I don't gosh. know, it was like <laughs> My big thing really... was that I can draw an ampersand when I was eleven. Oh my god, I desperately wanted to know how to draw an ampersand when I was a little kid. Um, I can show you. <laughs> <laughs> I know it may be shocking, but I know how to draw an ampersand now. Oh, that's shit. That's my one skill. <laughs> Fuck. Um, but yeah, so um, it's a, like, it, it, it's just a very, like, it's always a very funny joke, the triplets accidentally being the same. But it's also kind of this, like, makes it obvious how good it is that they are different, because this would be fucking insufferable if this was the... Oh, God, yeah. Um, it would suck so bad if this is how the if this is how the boys were all the time. I think it's this is a controversial opinion. This is an unpopular opinion. I think it's good that the boys have different personalities. Yeah, and you know what? Let's take an even harder stance. Fuck anyone who thinks otherwise. Let's <laughs> <laughs> alienate some people. <laughs> anyway, uh, I really doubt any of our listeners or anyone with a brain in general thinks that it would actually be a good thing if they're all exactly the same. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. 
Yeah. So Lena points out at this point that if the boys were so worried about Webby, why did it take them four hours to find her? Which is um, kind of shows how much time has passed. There's, it's nighttime now, and it was kind of evening when, when this started. Um, and then Dewey kind of starts kind of blaming and teasing Louis about getting them lost. And then <laughs> Louis has a very funny little line, which is, you know, you change the tone of that chant and <laughs> fucking tackles him again. <laughs> and they start fighting. Uh, so we get a lot of good older brother Huey here. So he kind of goes from comforting Louis and then uh, breaking up the fight. <laughs> yeah, it's very, again, it's the sibling roughhousing, which is very cute, which um, they don't do it a lot kind of outside of this episode. So it is a little bit of like, it is a little bit of like a, like a plot, like convenience that they're doing it so much. It's like a very, uh, it is kind of like a, it, it probably shows up again. I can't really think of any off the top of my head, but it's very obvious. Episodes that they they're kind of playing up the idea that like siblings five siblings argue with each other like they're very close but they're also very good yeah they're ramping um, up the dynamic here too yeah exactly. so that so that we can draw some parallels between them and the beagle boys um for kind of the climax of the of the episode yes. um, um I'm, I'm also i just thought i really like the um the uh the part like you know lena biting back and saying well if you're so worried then you know you know, why didn't why didn't you find it earlier? It's very interesting to think that, like, it because it, it's hard to see how this would play into Magic's plan. Like, making enemies of the triplets would not yeah. endear her to Scrooge. So this is a very yeah. interesting kind of move on her part where it doesn't seem calculated as part of Magic's plan. So I'm tempted to say that this is Lena herself being mad that somebody, you know, is mm-hmm. like, you know, somebody somebody says they care about Webby, but it doesn't show it that somebody's, you know, not actually yeah. caring about family. Kind of like yeah. it's like it's like, you know, it's a it's a, it's a case study of yeah, it's 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 an example to her of the fact that family, you know, sucks. Family doesn't actually count for anything when it comes down to it. Yeah. So, um Or if we take a we could we could also take a bit of a more kind of detached and cynical view of it, which is that she's choosing for whatever reason to prioritize her manipulation of Webby over any possible relationship that she could form with the boys. Yes. Um, which, again, is not a logical move based on yeah. Magica's overall plan. Um, but that she's trying to... She's decided to, to prioritize that, that relationship. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it, either way, it's very much Lena doing, doing things her own way. Which is, yeah. Um, very, like... Uh, very, like... I, I like it. It's like... Like rebellious, I like it. Um, yeah, I do like it a lot. But she's never going to be the uh, the the obedient puppet that that Magica kind of intends her to be. She's yeah. too she's, spiritual. You know, she's, do, she's, she's doing her bidding, but you know she's doing what she wants at the same time. Yeah. Um. So the argument is interrupted by the tumble bums arriving on the scene, <sighs> scene looking for the kids, this... and they hide inside the playground thing the music here is again excellent and the the tumble bombs are a fantastic have fantastic character designs and that they're just like carnival horror they're awesome i um the like the like the spooky ambiance that kind of just like interrupts the fight is very good and then mm-hmm. like um <laughs> the little the little the little um shot of webby pushing like the boys up the slide is very yeah, cute yeah. um and then uh <laughs> uh like Huey, I think he's, I think it's Huey that's like, oh, the tumble bombs, they sound adorable. Yeah. <laughs> this is very funny. Just like a lot of like very you know, just like little funny lines and shots here. But um then we go into like uh 
this circus horror ter- like territory where yeah. these guys are fucking spooky clowns. It rules. I love it when DuckTales takes a step into horror because they're very good yeah. at it. Um, yes. We get some great, like, any kind of dream sequence, they full on go on, like, they like to use, like, David Lynch style horror in dream sequences mm-hmm. with, like, creepy imagery and strange things. They they go into, like, some Five Nights at Freddy mascot shit so, sometimes. Um, oh, God. And then we're getting, obviously, carnival horror here where we're getting, you know, the fucked up music and the, like, very cool, very honestly badass designs of the, of, of these Beagle Boys. Um, I love them. They're cool. We find out later that they only communicate by whistling, which rules. Mm-hmm. Um, it's awesome. It's awesome. These guys fucking rule. Um, so the boys are stressed and they start fighting again because they're kind of pooling their resources and Dewey finds out that Louis stress age is banana. Um, and then Huey, in trying to break up the fight, gets involved in it because he gets kind of like sucked in um, mm-hmm. to the cartoon dust cloud. Um, <laughs> and while this is happening, Lena kind of slips out and she goes, you know, come on, Webby, we can use this opportunity. Let the boys be bait and we'll run away. And Webby says, you know, no, this is my family. I'm not leaving them. Uh, she goes back up to help them escape and comes up with a plan, which involves Louis having a time. Louis being used as bait, which is <laughs> another point in, like, Louis's just, like, mental list of, like, why adventure fucking suck. Yeah, um, why everything fucking sucks. This isn't even supposed to be an adventure. He's, he's, in, a, he's in a playground, for fuck's sake. Um, Louis's mental tally of why everyone, why, why life hates him. Yeah, it's also a rough one because they decide to use Louis as bait, but he is obviously the most frightened of all of them. So it's not great, you know. Um, and they use the kind of contentious <laughs> banana peels to trip up the tumble bums because it's they're they're circus clowns, and that's how you very... how, how you defeat clowns. Defeating clowns through like slapstick is very funny. It's yeah, very cartoony, like. This fight is like it is very obviously in the realm of like a cartoon solution to a cartoon problem. Mm-hmm. Like this is not how like fights in Ducktales can sometimes get like more realistic. It's like people don't just slip on a banana peel and then they're down to the count. But this is just very like this is obviously like it, it's a it's a joke solution to like clowns. Yeah. So of course it's gonna work. These are clowns. They work by cartoon physics and cartoon logic. Exactly. Um, so, so they can, are, are yeah, deadly poisons. <laughs> if they had a really long ladder or bucket of water, they would would use that. Um, <laughs> so they get rid of the tumble bombs, and Webby goes down to get Lena, but she realizes that she's gone, and she thinks that she must have left them. She must. She was. She's finally sick of Webby. Webby made the wrong. Maybe had to make a choice, and she, Lena hates her for it. Because she chose her family, mm-hmm. um, and she feels like she lost a friend. So they go back to the beach to get the kayak stuff. Yeah. Um, and Huey sits sits next to her and comforts her in a very cute scene. Before he comes yeah. to sit sit to her, when he kind of spots her on the beach, she's rocking back and forth. She is rocking back and forth. I also pointed this out. I have I have like a number of like bullet points here where I've just like written something that he does, and I have all caps of behavior on the next line. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so far, we've got like her inability to parse sarcasm. We've got her after mm-hmm. hands. We've got, We've got her rocking back her and trivia. forth. Trivia. Mm-hmm. It's, oh. um, it, it, it's um, pretty interesting. Very interesting. Like, mm-hmm. we, we talked about this before. We've talked about this before. That Webby was not probably not meant to be 
as like an autistic girl. Yeah. But then like I question that because we've got these very, very clear visual markers, you know? Mm. The rocking yeah, and the raptor hands those, and things. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's um I think it's probably um a lot of these things are being intentionally written, but it's probably not meant to be like like a specific like yes Webby has autism it's more just like these are some things that like they've written into her character that happened yeah. bad after this they're probably not writing it from the perspective of mm-hmm. this is specifically a character that is autistic it's just like a number of things happen to line up I wouldn't be surprised if like specific mm-hmm. writers or specific animators were doing these things as just yeah. like a fun little thing but, they're, um, si- they're simply behaviours at the end of the day they're simply behaviours um, and the, at the end of the day, it is so easy to read. Like, there is nothing that refutes it. So, um, yeah, I am. I am very happy to. True. <laughs> yeah. Um, um. So Huey kind of comforts her. He he's again taking on the older brother role. It's something he's been kind of very firmly in this whole episode. Um, yeah. And he kind of comforts her, comforts her, and he says, "I promise we'll never leave you off the boat again. We'll leave Louis. He's bad at most things." Which is accompanied by the visual gag of Louis getting chased by seagulls in the background. Um, he's having a very bad day, and this also is a sentiment that's going to haunt Louis for the rest of like the three seasons. Which is that it's such a he, crazy that, like he, he hasn't got the skills that like that help on like you know the things that the family like to do. He's got one skill, and that is scheming. And if everybody hates it when he does that, yeah, um, it's not useful. He's bad yeah, at most so things. He can't read a so, map yeah. and he can't fight off seagulls. Um, it's a very it's a very interesting example of like this line very obviously. This is a joke line. This is a joke yeah. line. This this in and of itself is not be like uh not meant to be a sign of like really dark character development in later seasons. But it is just a very interesting example of something kind of being reinterpreted after the fact. Yeah. Which is our specialty here. It's <laughs> coming back to singular lines and going, what if? Mm-hmm. Hey, context. And that's, people. That's, what, that's what media analysis is about. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, as they're kind of doing this, a bottle washes up with a cry for help from Lena. And Webby is very excited to find that Lena didn't abandon her because she doesn't want to be friends. She was just captured. Wee! Oh no, she was just captured. Oh no. <laughs> I do have a I do have a, a note here of just like where we're doing the behavior of like focusing on a specific detail or like the wrong detail in a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like a very like a because she kind of goes to like yeah she was captured to like oh no she was captured <laughs> yeah um, very funny. <laughs> um, and because they're all on the beach, they're near the amphitheater, and they can look at it through the uh, the binoculars, and they find. She's been tied up to a pillar and she's surrounded by beagles. Uh, Mm -hmm. We also get, as they're looking at this, a background gag of Louis being carried off by gulls. (laughs) He's being fucking whisked away. (laughs) Louis is is incredibly fucking funny in this episode because also as they're kind of planning to get get her out, he says he wants to get Uncle Scrooge and Beakley and a couple of tanks. A couple of tanks? He's really frightened. (laughs) Poor Louis. He's having a hard time. Uh, it's great. Um, Louis is so good. 
He's very cute. Um, so they they sneak up to the amphitheater, and Lena comes to try and untie. Le- uh, Webby comes to try and untie Lena, um, but she kind of falls back right into the stage lights and turns them on. Another cute little detail that comes as a result of them being in an abandoned theater. Mm. Um, and uh, the they potentially get spotlighted. Um, and the beagles catch her and tie tie uh, Webby up next to Lena on the on the next pillar, and they gr- and Bouncer fucking grabs the boys in one giant hand, so they're just like, <laughs> oh, it's like it's... grabbing grabbing a couple of straws. <laughs> uh, I do like I do like big time big time tying a beautiful bow around um. Webby oh yeah, and Lena. <laughs> it's very cute. They're um... present. Um, so Lena is very frustrated that Webby's gotten caught, you know, in in her rescue rescue attempt, um, and they start fighting, and then Webby kind of realizes that family always fights, and they can use it to kind of uh, mm-hmm. ramp up the tension between the big boys. Um, so Lena uses her her very well honed manipulation skills, and now mm-hmm. that we see them being kind of aimed on someone other than Webby, they become more obvious. Um, which is to that she kind of starts a fight between the beagles in like you know, basically asking which one should get to should get the credit for for this you know who's going to get to be Ma, uh, Ma Beagle's favorite here, um, and Webby uses the opportunity to shimmy off the pillar and and off it and uh, she bites through her ropes. She bites the rope in half in one go. She doesn't chew it. She bites it in half. It's insane. It. Crazy girl. Um. um and they trip Bouncer using the very classic, um, the very classic kid way of tripping, where someone someone crouches down behind them. That happened I, to my um... brother in a playground, and he broke his wrist. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, like don't do it um, in real life. <laughs> <laughs> don't try this at home. Um, I I love I love this fight scene because it starts out with um Burger getting knocked onto a smoke machine. His face is fucking deliriously funny. <laughs> oh, I saw that. Yeah. And then also, the smoke machine as like as like a visual excuse for the cartoony snowball fight with like limbs coming out. Yeah, the it's dust so cloud. It's it like rules. an actual like it's an actual like real life excuse for like the Beagle Boys being like the most like cartoon island. Of course, yeah. they're gonna have like the big brawl with this huge dust cloud. You can just like see somebody's fist or like somebody's head or whatever coming out of the cloud every so often. And they actually have like an actual in canon excuse for why they can do that is very yeah. funny. They also have the cartoony stars as well because of the amphitheater. Yeah. Yes, it's exactly. A, it's, it's so great. Very funny. Um, it's so great. So they get so uh, the kids escape on the kayak and Mob Eagle arrives on the Mad Max truck again uh, <laughs> to find that the kids are already gone. So the kind of the kids take Lena back up to uh, the mansion. They're up at the gates of the mansion. Um, and the boys are very impressed by Lena, uh, and they're kind of complimenting her on how like great she was. Yeah. And Webby's very overjoyed to have a new friend, and she's, I think, relieved that there's not going to be this tension between Lena and the boys for now, that they seem to like her. Um, and she's like very, very happy, and they go into the mansion and kind of say goodbye to Lena, uh, leaving her to return to the amphitheater ominously. I love the music here, like, like it's a very nice, just like background music, and it just kind of like it go going down as it turns to Lena, just kind of looking solemn and walking away. It's yeah. so great. 
I love this. Movie. She actually has like a flash where she looks quite worried just before she mm. turns around, and then she kind of like schools her expression into into being very solemn and expressionless. Um, and then she she goes back to the amphitheater, and we see her clutching her amulet and reciting a spell to revive the soul of her aunt Magica. And she tells her, "I'm in." So we know from this that Magica has made Lena some offer. So they're in communication um, mm-hmm. that Lena has now agreed to. I actually, I, I actually interpreted that slightly different. Lena oh. saying I'm in, as in Lena being <gasps> metaphorically in the family. Oh, now. in with them. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was what my interpretation I'm in as in like uh, the heist sense. We're yes, in. yes. I um, actually like that better. I think it's um, it's it, it's the implication of Magica having talked to her and having been like telling her to do this for a while. Yeah, um, I like, do think it makes more longer. sense. Mm-hmm. I think it makes more it, sense that she's been working under Magica's orders these whole this whole time. Yeah, um, and it makes it adds some context to like the Beagle thing that she hadn't mm-hmm. that she's like already because like Lena's whole thing is that she doesn't have a choice. She doesn't, she's been created for a purpose. Yeah, she exactly. doesn't have another life that she can live out. And this yeah. is going to be her whole, um, her whole conflict is that she, she, she gets a life. She gets personal relationship. She gets something more. And mm-hmm. she has to choose. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that's the better, the better, um, the better interpretation. I just like it's. I, I like the idea of it's like a Lena the hacker in a movie. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's, yeah. um, it's it's a really, really like a really tragic to this episode because like mm. it, it, looking at it like without the knowledge, if if I could wipe my memory and watch this from like with no knowledge that Lena um, is like magic as protege, it's it looks like an episode where Lena is a at first uses web with her but then starts to become friends with her but this like this ending really recasts it as like this whole thing was a pretense it was all it was all part of it mm. there was like you know, I still think there were some genuine moments where Lena genuinely enjoyed yeah because this is the whole thing is that kill. kind of despite herself Lena does like Webby yeah exactly which is um kind of kind of her downfall um yeah it's her weakness or or, or actually magic well yeah but um but it's it's it's, it's even even with that this was all according to magic's plan mm-hmm. really, yeah really hard. and this is um the third kind of end of episode hook that we get for a later season arc so mm. in woo we got um uh dewey finding the the picture of uh, the mother in the portrait. So we get that hook, which is, who is their mother? What does that mean? You know, why is Dewey surprised to find a picture of her? What's the story there? That's that hook for like, and because it makes sense to introduce that right at the start, because this is the main storyline of the show. Um, and then at the end of... Uh, the dime chase, we get the hook of we get the insane the of fucking gizmo duck hook. Uh, the hook that is masquerading as Jar being a fucking super villain. <laughs> Hilarious. 
Um, and this hook is uh, the other kind of main season arc, which is uh, Magica. Um, and Lena working as her as her uh, as her kind of agent. This is um, this is such a good episode. This is such a it, good episode. It is. It's a fantastic episode. What I also um, want mm-hmm. uh, found really interesting about this episode is that most kind of episodes of a show like this, of like a kind of a balanced comedy adventure drama, whatever, um, or a sitcom, generally. Their episode structure is uh, A story, B story, C story, right? Yeah, this is all A story. All A story, right? Completely focused on the one thing, which is like mm. really ambitious and really shows the dedication because A story, B story, C story is a way of kind of playing it kind of safe by giving everybody mm. something to do so that even if, you know, if someone's not interested in Webby, because they're evil. Um, they, there's nothing in the there's nothing in this episode for them, right? Yeah. Um, usually the B story and the C story give a little something for everyone. So you know, mm-hmm. if you're watching like the Impossible Summit of Mount Everest, um, you know the A story is obviously Huey and Scrooge, and the B story is Launchpad and Louie, and then the C story is Webby and Dewey because yeah. they have they have decreasing levels of like content yeah um you know the <laughs> the scrooge and huey one has an arc that has to be that has to be gone through uh louis and launchpad is just characterful for both of them and particularly characterful for louis and that it establishes him as someone who is very protective of family and who also sees launchpad as family and then Dewey and webby mm-hmm. is just them trying to kill themselves um, <laughs> so yeah but it's designed to uh and it and it's designed to uh to kind of spread out plot elements and give it a transit, a, a way to transition between between the stories, between elements yeah. of the plot that they can kind of jump forward to to the next scene by mm-hmm. cutting to something else in the meantime. Um, by sticking with the one plot this whole time, we get some really creative storytelling and this really excellent, um, these excellent kind of scene transitions. This very this the story that that flows very smoothly together, uh, which is really mm. impressive, given that they have nothing yeah. to cut away to. Yeah, it's really good because it really does show the strength of the writing here. Because um, something about like a story, b story, c story is that there is you have to spend like you, you're spending like uh half the time, like half the duration of the episode on one story, and you know a, mm-hmm. you know a quarter on another one, and a quarter on another one. This one you have to spend the entire episode on one story. So that one story has to be perfect and has yeah. to fill the entire time. There's no filler here. There's nothing like, there is no like unnecessary moments here. So it really goes to show how good the writing is that there is nothing that is like, there's nothing mm-hmm. padding this out. It is a story that fills the time perfectly. Yeah. Um, which is really impressive. And it's also very ambitious because not only is it a story, because like we're going to get a couple more a story only episodes but this one is not using the ensemble cast it's focused entirely yes. on two characters one of whom we have never met before yes you it, know one of these characters is actually being established for the first time ever yeah this um this episode really just said if you don't care about where you can die um yeah and i think that's fantastic yeah it really is it's a very it's a very ambitious episode it could have gone very badly wrong if it was less well written 
just because of the structure of it. Um, there's no kind of safety net in this episode. But instead, mm. they really went kind of above and beyond. And like, even things like, you know, the music, the, the transitions yeah. in the animation, like you pointed out in the playground, um, there is a lot of care put in uh, mm. to this episode and in like kind of bolstering uh, all of these bits. It's very well put together. It's really um, good. It is good. And it's good because all of the characters are there um, in furtherance of Webby's plotline. She yeah. is the center here. We get the boys, but they're the boys as they relate to Webby. There is no, they have no plotline in this. They have no. Um, yeah. They, they, they have no progression of their own. Yeah. They're just there to serve Webby's characterization, which... And is what he deserves. It's fantastic, because it's not something that we would have seen a lot. It would have been like, okay, well, Webby's trying to achieve her thing, and then, like, I don't know, Huey's trying to get a badge. You know? Mm. That, that's, yeah. generally, that's generally how it goes. Um, but instead, it's like, no, they are just here for Webby. They are just fleshing her out by, like, being around her. Mm. And it's great. It's what she deserves. It's what, um, it's what's really required to to give her the kind of strength of character to to carry through this episode. Mm-hmm. It's great. I love it. I love it very much. It's so good. And I also just like I just love the Beagle Boys. I think I said that a number of times this episode. They're some of my favorite villains. It is so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love the idea of this huge family of all boys and one mother. It's so good. <laughs> I love it. I love. The casting choice of Margot Martindale. She's incredible. It's <sighs> great. What a perfect episode. And um, once again, I think that it's cowardly that they ever changed the name from Beagle Birthday Massacre. It's a massacre. I know. You've made your bed, you have to lie in it. It's the massacre. Come on, <laughs> people. Okay. Shall we move on to our third segment? <laughs> Are you emotionally ready for what this is going to do to our... Um... <laughs> Are we, ready to, are we ready to embarrass ourselves totally and fully? <laughs> uh, so after we've finished talking about uh, a perfect episode, um, we're going to show you how very imperfect we are. We're going to take um, a quiz on Sporkle, a website mm-hmm. I've never heard of before. Apparently, apparently exists. Never heard about it. Um, okay, so I used to take a lot of Sporkle quizzes with my cousins because it just has a lot of like, name all the states, you know, mm-hmm. name all these countries, name yeah. all of these characters from The Simpsons or whatever. And I used yeah. to do them with my cousins. I've never done this before, but it seems like um, this is the kind of thing like my brother would like a lot. But um, I've never done that before. But we're taking quiz called "Are You the Ultimate Ducktales Fan?" Yes. And I'm going, like, I'm going to answer right from the get-go. We are not the ultimate DuckTales <laughs> We are not. Because, we are not. Jesus Christ, there are so many fucking things here, and some of them are insane. So we're going to start off. We're going to get in here. 171 questions here, and all of them are just, like, naming, naming characters based on... Based on, based on a hint. Yeah. Um, but hint is generous. <laughs> Okay, so we'll start off. Let's start off easy with main characters. Billy and Uncle. I think we can probably figure this. Out. I think. I think it might be Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> um, um, we have a uh, furious Uncle. 
which is, I yeah. believe, Donald Duck. <laughs> um, we have Mom Lost in Space. Wild guess. I think this might be Della Duck. See, the problem is we're starting out too strong. We're getting a bit of... We're, we're going to get too cocky. We are. Um, <laughs> we've got the red one, the blue one, and the green one. So, here we do in the way. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, we have... Scrooge's number one fan, which is a cute way to put it, which is Webby. Mm-hmm. Um, then I ran into a problem here, which is that, can you try for me typing in Bentina Beakley? Oh, no. Oh, I got it. Okay, you have to put it in her whole name. Because I put in Bentina oh. and I put everything else is like, it, it takes multiple ones. So if you type in like Louie, it comes up Llewellyn Duck. Ah, uh, okay, I see. Okay, so the Beagles. Which is very topical. Mm-hmm. Is there, are, you not, are you not doing I'm a Pilot and Ghost Butler? Oh, I did. Do, I, okay, we got Launchpad and Duckworth as well. Sorry. <laughs> I can't believe you erased Launchpad and Duckworth from the narrative like this. Sorry. Um, okay, so the Beagles for topical. Um, leader will be Ma Beagle. Mm-hmm. Granddad. Grand, Granddad is interesting. Um, I'm going to say this is Grandpa Beagle. I don't know. I'm not I, sure. I'm not up on my Beagle Boys lore. It's not. I don't know okay. who this is. Um, I, I, think it has, I, also, I think he has a proper name. I don't know what it is. I imagine so. The three um, OGs will be... Um, okay, so burger. let's get Bouncer, Burger, and Big Time. Okay, we have got the failures, the ugly failures. Uh, I know one of them is um, Botch Job. Botch Job is really good. I Absolutely don't know hilarious. Um, we've got Bottle, the one with the special mm-hmm. eyes. I don't oh, know what the other one is. I also don't know what the other one is. I don't. We got the illusionist, which is black arts. Yes, just one of my favorite one. Mm-hmm. Um, big jaw. Hmm. Oh, this is, is where we're some problems. Baby. No idea. Hip. <laughs> Hip. See, they're getting a very um. They're getting very um. Very abstract as we go down this list. I know hockey. Okay, so hockey, no the hockey beagle was from the comics where, okay, from like the new seven Ducktail seventeen comics where um the kids play hockey. Okay. It's very cute. Launchpad and Donald both come to watch them play hockey. Mm-hmm. It's very cute. I don't know what his name is. I don't know what Showtime <laughs> Beagle is. I don't. I don't know who Showtime is. I don't know who Cleaver is. I don't know the name of the friendly or the mini. I'm assuming that's the six seventy friendly and the six. But I yeah, don't know that. Yeah, I assume they have names. So we don't know what they are. And then hockey again. <laughs> I don't know who any of these are. <laughs> Fuck. Oh well. Okay. Shit. All right. Okay. Beagle um, groups. Okay, so we got the OGs. The original classics. Um, I'm assuming. I think that's what she called them. Yeah. The mistakes, which um, are the ugly failures. <laughs> the clowns, which the are clowns. the tumble bums. Rip off of the gammas. Um. I mean, by process of elimination, I'm assuming that's the longboard taquitos. Yeah, they have to be. That is not coming up. Shit. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Um, we got the mean, which is the Sixth Avenue meanies. Mm-hmm. Also not showing up. Let me in. Okay. Let's try it with the number. Okay, nope. The friendlies, which is Sixth Avenue friendlies, which I don't think will also come up. The glam Yankees. Yes. And the recurring Frenchies, which I love. The recurring Frenchies is such a good way of putting it. <laughs> Deja vu's. Okay, mm-hmm. billionaires. Scotsman, Scot- that's not true. He's not Scot- 
but it's, it is hard. Long gold. gold. All about the trans. Mark Beaks. Spoiled Kid. Doofus Drake. Grudge's Lover. Goldie. Go on, go on, go on. <laughs> Goldie, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the agenda is coming through. <laughs> you fiend. I, I have. I have a different form called Virginia, and you know it. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Doofus's party trader. I know who this is talking about, but I can't remember his name. It's Percival. <sighs> Percival P. Peppington. Okay, Percival was enough. Thanks. The guy who gets kicked out of Doofus's party for bringing um Randy from uh, from the Ottoman <laughs> Empire, pretending to be a child. Okay, foul. <laughs> We've got Bradford Buzzard. Mm-hmm. There's another buzzard I can't think of. I don't know. A uh, bouncing potion that is Black Heron. Mm-hmm. False lover of Gizmo. That's Gantra D. <laughs> what a close to death. <laughs> is that Jeeves? Yeah, okay, that's Jeeves. Frozen okay. to live is Rocker Duck. Uh, pure darkness is Phantom Blot. And Metal Mouth is Steelbeak. Our guy. <laughs> Boyfriend of the year. Okay. <laughs> Travel through time. Key tied to mm-hmm. kite is um fucking. Oh, why can't I come up with a name? Um, <laughs> this is really bad. We have to edit this out. <laughs> this is embarrassing. Uh... Um... Oh my god, I know you. It's not Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson. I know. It's not Thomas Edison. Um, um, who the fuck is it? It was um, big American bitch. Ben Franklin. Ben, ben Franklin. Franklin. Oh god, this is awful. We're evil. <laughs> um, Ben Franklin's not ben... coming up. <laughs> is it not Ben Franklin? Well, oh no, Ben Franklin. 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 Oh, it's Ben Franklin. Okay. Benjamin. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Ancestor of the ducks is Bubba. Mm-hmm. Bubba's not coming up. Bubba, Bubba Duck, Duck? Bubba Duck. There we go. Christmas Carol is um, the Grim Reaper. No. Um, and Cricket. Me. Oh, wait, no, it's Christmas Brass. Okay, yeah. I was thinking of who they actually were, like the big fucking pig. <laughs> um, Ghost. Is it just like Christmas? Ghost Christmas 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 yeah, okay. Ghost okay, cool. of Christmas present take a watch that is no that's not showing up um okay so we got ghost of christmas past and then the rest of them are showing up mm-hmm. okay interesting okay uh, no that's not... um okay let's move on ancestor of fenton is um marshall cabrera and triceratops i don't know what the triceratops net was called i i didn't realize it i didn't think it had a name either <laughs> um we are going to be very terrible at this section. Oh, this next section is going to be really bad because it's called Family of Scrooge and every single entry in here, the hint is Ancestor. So hmm. let's just get some off the bat. Downey, Fergus, Scotty, no. <laughs> um, Rumpus <laughs> McFowl, I doubt it. Um, I'm pretty sure these were all the ones that were in like, um, that were like written on the side of uh, of uh, Webby's like thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've got Sir Idra McDuck, um, which was a guess on my part because Idra Duck is actually the name of Feathery's father, but whatever. Um, uh, we've got 
Um, Cornelius Couch should be here. Oh, no. That's not Family Scrooge. Oh, wait. It, it showed up somewhere. Hmm. God, where to go? Okay, it's in other. <laughs> um, okay, let's get some other ones. Hortense and Matilda should be here. Mm-hmm. I don't know anyone else. Okay, brother-in-law. His brother-in-law yeah. is um, Quackmore. And lucky nephew is Gladstone. Yep, and woodchuck nephew will be Oh, my little man. <laughs> my little man. Okay, but two mm. uncles. Um, is Ludwig here? Was... Okay, no. Ludwig probably. No, he's in sure. Friends. Oh, okay. Okay, we've got here, which is grandfather slash Dewey's middle name, which is Dingus. Mm-hmm. Dirty Dingus McDuck. <laughs> His grandmother, who we don't know, I don't think. I don't know. I don't this know the is very. These. This is pretty. This is pretty terrible. Um, this is the, bad. Uh, this is bad. This is pretty grim. Should we move on to McDuck workers? Okay. Well, the first one here is film producer, which is the director from Darkly Dance the Duck, but I don't remember his name. <laughs> his name is Alastair Borswan. Um, who? I think it's Alistair. I might be spelling Alistair. Okay, it's Alistair with two L's. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Um, actor. Ha ha ha. Drake Fowlers. Librarian. <laughs> Quackfaster. Um, quack okay, Emily Quackfaster. There we go. Inventor. Okay, inventor. Manny. Security. <laughs> Who's security? Who's on security? Is. Who's on security? <laughs> I don't know. Is Gizmo Doc security? Uh, mm. Nope. No, he showed up in another section. Who's Max on security? I don't know. Let's move on. And then gives my secret identity is, of course, Matt. Yeah. So, friends. Leader of Tothra is Amunet. Caballeros mm-hmm. are friends. Panchito. Panchito Romero, Miguel Junipero, Francisco Quintero Gonzalez. But I knew you would do that. <laughs> I was waiting for you. They didn't want the full name. They just wanted Panchito Pistoles, but that's fine. <laughs> um, Keeper of the Lamp. Oh, Will that be Ferris Jin? Um, yeah, such a patient. Ferris Jin. There we go. Niece of Magica, Lena. Uh, director of Shush, Ludwig von Drake. That showed up when I was okay. trying to guess ancestors. Fethry's pet, There's... Mitzi. Okay. Friends, bear. bear. This is the bear from um from the go- from the go- uh the Golden Lagoon of White Agony Plains. Oh god. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. I didn't think it had a name. Um, well, Spanish, please. That's be, Mama um, Cabrera. Or maybe Officer. Oh, it might be Officer Cabrera. Yeah, okay. Uh, Webby's other bestie is Violet Sabering. Mm-hmm. The protector of Deathburg is Gizmo Duck. Air Pirates! Captain Don Carnage. Don Carnage. Da- uh, Don Carnage. Ugly. Um, this is um, Ugly Mug. <laughs> One leg is Peg Leg Meg. Mm-hmm. Big girl is um, fuck shit. I, I know her as well. I can I can think of her. Okay, I believe in you. Oh, she has a little <laughs> solo in Dewey's song. <laughs> I can't know. I don't know her name. I also don't know missing eye and missing toes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know uh, that for experience is the intern, but I don't know. Uh, intern isn't showing up, so I have no idea. Uh, the parrot, I, I also don't know the name of. <laughs> God, this fucking sucks. Uh, let's go on to moon people. 
Okay, well, there's a number of soldiers here, but, um, okay, okay. well, Della's best friend. Yeah, Della's best friend is Penumbra. One of the soldiers is Gibbous, Lunaris, um, how, what was Gibbous' wife's name? Uh, Zenith. Okay. Um, uh, I, uh, well, I don't I know. I there was, I know there was one called Palace, but I don't know how it's spelled. We've got two more soldiers here to get. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to other villains. <laughs> Ghost Pirates. Uh, Peg Hook. Mm-hmm. Almost killed Mark Beeks. Um, that is a uh, fucking guy from Gypsum with. Um, Falcon oh, Grace. Um, yes. There we go. Raised in the Ways of the Blade. This is Gabby McStaverson. Gab- what a name. Uh, defeated by Della. This is the Moonmite. Nope. That showed up in Mythical Creatures. What? Who else did Della defeat? Who was defeated by Della? Uh, the Gilded Man. Yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah. Worked for Glongold Episode 1. That um, would be, um, this yeah, is a uh, hack and slash. Hack, um, Smashnikov, and slash Smashnikov. Jackwing Gone Bad is Negaduck. Mm-hmm. Trapped in a Diamond's Magica. Yeah. Controlled their master is the fucking guard, I assume. Tafira is the master of Amunet's people. Uh huh. Control their master, I think, is the guard in the in the pyramid, but I don't know. And and Own is is Toadlu um, High. Toadlu High. Um, gods thought to own the spear of blank. Selene. Selene. Don's best friend. I love that this is how he's put in. (laughs) And Zeus. Zeus is spelled wrong, so I had to spell it wrong to get in. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> Alter Egos. Beakley is Agent 22. Two. Illusionist Beagle is um, fucking Backrack um, Beagle, but he shows up as a... Uh... As, as... Oh, no, I know. <laughs> um... Oh, I have it. It's on the tip of my... It's, um... Uh, um... Nick. Nick Nocturne. Okay. But K's, yes. There we go. Mythical creatures and beings. Bigfoot, his name was Travis, I think. Or something. <laughs> was it really? No, it was uh it began with a T, I'm pretty sure. It was like a it was like a bro name, you know? Uh-huh. Um Trevor. Um, oh my god. I have I have no. I have Travis. No, I'm not no, I have Travis stuck in my head. Shit. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Kelpie's um what were their names? Oh my god. Like an, I don't know. Twilight. Yeah, I, don't... <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember either. Three-headed dog is Cerberus. Sea creature is... Uh, Charybdis, or however it is pronounced. I can't remember. Charybdis, maybe. It's the one in... Yeah. Presumably the one in, in, in uh, the Quack. Yeah, that was it. Uh, controlled a small town slash plant. That is um the, the Feast of the Flower one. The fucking... What was it called? I don't know. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> Gyro found them. That was um, that was what, was what he called um... the. They were the Lilliputians, but he called them something else. Yes. Um... Gyroputians, I think. <laughs> Probably not surprised. Shit, I don't know how to spell it. Fuck, whatever. <laughs> Loves lemons. Harpies. Okay. Don't listen to her sing, siren. Mm-hmm. Um, Del 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 Del
lives under the city is the Terraformians. Uh-huh. Made with magic and money. Would be the, um... Oh, that would be the... the, the would, that, would that be the, um... Oh, Jaws. The Jaws thing. What was it called? Little... It was called uh... Tiffany. Tiffany, it wasn't? <laughs> yeah, it was called <laughs> Tiffany. <laughs> oh, God, of course. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're almost done. We're getting through them. We're so Robots. These, These are driving drone yay. That is just Bobby. And Boyd. And then and keeps Boyd. Louis grounded is um the fucking Is this... it is, is it called like is it called like the DT eighty seven or something like that? It is called oh. the DT eighty seven, DuckTales eighty seven, nineteen eighty seven. Uh okay, fictional characters. These are all from the Darkwing TV show. Um James Gordon is the commissioner, but is I commissioner, don't commissioner like Haggard or something. Okay, like, get it. Ha- like, yeah, I am the terror that flaps in the night. Dark wing duck. Dark wing duck. Controls weather oh, is oh. um fucking uh shit. I don't remember the <laughs> fuck. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Plant based weather is bush fruit. Water-based, water-based villain is, is liquidator. Electric based megavolt. Megavolt and then quackerjack. Who needs the Joker when you have quackerjack? Honestly, <laughs> way cooler. <laughs> Oh, sorry, that's gesture villain. Clown villain is, um... Um... Shit. I know it is. Um... Oh, it's the, um... Um... But, but, but he was he was the one that he, um... He he was in, like, the episode, like, the fate episode, um... Paddywhack? I think it was Paddywhack. Paddywhack! Yes. I think Paddywhack. It is Paddywhack. Yeah, okay. okay. Controls weather. Is this the Dr. Doofenshmirtz one? I think it must be. But I don't... Oh, wait, no, it's fictional characters. He was real. Joshua Schiffert is real. Um, <laughs> who the fuck um, controls weather in the Darkwing Duck? TV show. I, I don't think. I don't. Um, I, don't I don't know. Uh, imagine Fourth Brother with Fooey. That's Fooey Duck, yeah. Not Kablooey, Fooey. Um, started mm-hmm. Scrooge's fortune. This is the fucking dude. This is the dude in South America. Was it? Oh no, no. Scrooge's fortune started when he got the dime, but his dad gave him the dime. Yeah. And that's I not for Um, I thought it was a uh, that that was just the guy who gave him um, that was just the guy who was there when he became the richest duck in the world, which isn't it? Mm. Okay, Launchpad's Old Flame. Let's move on to this one. I got founder Duckburg as Cornelius Kuj. I guessed it uh-huh. when I was trying to do Ancestors. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. So, I'm assuming like... it's going to be like Oceanica. Yeah, I think it's, it's Oceanica. Oceanica. Yeah, I tried Ziggy, but I didn't get it. Famous in a goofy movie. I mean, the famous goofy? person in a goofy movie is Powerline, but I don't think Powerline is mentioned. Oh, I mean, he's mentioned in like... No, he's in there. <laughs> I guess. Oh, okay. Glomgle's puppet, puppet son is Shark Bomb. Oh. <laughs> they put it in a Shark Bomb Glomgle. Like <laughs> Glomgle's real name is Duke Baloney. Duke um, Baloney, and we are up to the final category, which is upcoming season three count. When we looked at this before the show, we went crazy over this because I still can't figure out upcoming season three characters. The first hint is different butterfly. I am baffled. I don't know what this means. <laughs> I'm fucking lost. Let's move on to the rescue rangers. Um, okay, one of them so is called Monty, <laughs> but he's not in there because I think I need to know his full name. Um, okay, Chip well, there's Chip and Dale. Dale. 
the mechanic will be Gadget Hackwrench. I think that's her name. Yep. I Dawn's GF is Daisy. Um, from, from the, the lamp is Jean. Max is dead is Goofy. Drake Matter to Gosselin! Gosselin! The ranger's muscle is the guy who's called Monty, but I can't remember his name. Is it Monty Mole? No. It is not Monty Mole. That's a Mario. That's a Mario. Fuck. I don't know. Mix of Rhino and Monkey. The Rhino Key from the Wuggles, but I don't know whether that is already in the in season three or just um. A bull. I'm gonna say Taurus Bulba. And then B question mark. Question mark? I have no fucking clue. I have no idea. B? I don't know. Oh, we suck at this. Um, Okay, what's that score? Okay. We have a 118 out of 171. Okay, that's not as bad as I thought we were gonna do. That's it. Give up. (laughs) Okay, are we getting it? We got. Our score is 69%. Oh, nice! <sighs> Let's see if we... Okay, it turns out the reason I couldn't get longboard taquitos is that they spelled taquitos wrong. Okay. And also, okay, it turns out that the, uh, the, that the reason we didn't get the meanies and friendlies is that it's apparently the 5th Avenue meanies and friendlies, when I swear to God it was the 6th. 5th Avenue was the 6th Avenue. I'm Ormit. We both wrote down 6th Avenue in our notes. Yeah. It was 6th Avenue. This 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 quiz is fucking cheating. Some of the I ducks that, that we missed. Okay, I put in Ghost of Christmas Present and Ghost of Christmas Future, and I didn't fucking give it to me. Apparently, the Tartarus house was called Tootsie. That does ring a vague bell, actually. Okay, so some of the screws, the, the family screws that we missed were um, Black Donald, Malcolm mm-hmm. Beatty McDuck. Yeah, he invented golf. Uh, Sir Murdoch McDuck, Sir Quackley McDuck, mm-hmm. Sir Roast McDuck, <laughs> Captain Hugh Seafoam McDuck, Silas McDuck, <laughs> Sir Simon McDuck, Sir Stuffed McDuck, Sir Squab Hole McDuck, um, Quagmire McDuck, Molly Mallard, Jake McDuck, Angus Pothole McDuck. So, apparently, apparently, someone named Tad is on security. Um, mm-hmm. The B is apparently called Zipper. Absolutely, sure. Why not? That, 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 that'll be from <laughs> the afternoon show that I haven't seen. So, um... Yeah. Um, the Ranger's Muscle that I can get, to, it's Monty, but it's Monty Ray Jack. Uh-huh. Um, started Scrooge's Fortune is put under here as Bert the Ditch Digger. But? Bert? Scrooge's adopted son? <gasps> no, Scrooge's adopted son is Bert! Fuck! Hang on! Okay, hang on. When we started this podcast, we were like, we need to look for clues for Bert, who is, um, he is uh, Scrooge's adopted son. Um, we figured that he would never show up, but Bert was a ditch digger living in Scotland in the 1870s in the Jucktails reboot. Okay, he was the guy who had the really dirty shoes. Mm-hmm. This is not, this is not his son, unless he grew up and adopted an old man. <laughs> It turns out that the weather villain was Dr. Admos Fear, who I do remember, but was not fictional. Gizmo Duck fought him. It's the start of the Gantry episode. He's like, oh, it's a look into Gizmo Duck's life. He's so tired. Mm-hmm. He finds Dr. Doofenshmirtz, Doofenshmirtz yes. Duck. And he's like, I'm so tired. This is a millionth weather, weather villain I fought. He's not 
a fake person. He's real. Many issues with this quiz. I know. I've got problems. Okay, can we do another quiz? We're gonna do. We're gonna take this quiz and be assigned to Ducktales can. Oh, please. The first question is: Choose an aesthetic image. We've got a city, a palace, an eye, a field, a book, a carnival, a sea, or a shadow. Hmm. I'm thinking carnival. The carnival's pretty good. We're a little bit wacky. We like to have fun. We're a bit wacky. Okay. We've been arrested. What for? One, we were breaking into the M&M factory and dispensing the M&M dispensers directly into our mouths. Two, we were violating the Geneva Conventions. (laughs) Three, uh, we have an all-cops-are-bastards bumper sticker sad face. Mm -hmm. Four, we were harboring a cryptid in our attic. Five, we were scraping used gum off the underside of chairs, repackaging it, and reselling it. Six. We made our Build-A-Bear's voice box say fuck. <gasps> oh. Seven. We released every single penguin from the local aquarium. <laughs> At eight, we became a vigilante because the cops can't do anything right. Oh my god, there's so much tempting stuff here. Yeah. I am... Remember, we're fan. taking this as a podcast. This is a podcast. I'm a fan of... um. Uh, I like breaking the M&M factory and redirecting all the m M&M and into our mouths because that is like, we are, this is pure indulgence here. We are making this podcast yeah. for us. I'm kind of torn between like, make, be this this expression of pure self-indulgence and making the Build-A-Bear's voice box say fuck because um... Yeah. I Actually, I think you're right. I think it's the Build-A-Bear one. <laughs> We're being rude about ducks. <laughs> okay. Who were you in our past life? Oh, Got executed for attempting revolution. Sad face. Probably a frog. A knight in shining mm-hmm. armor. Mm-hmm. A, a wild west cowboy. Yeehaw, baby. <laughs> <laughs> a peasant who died of dysentery. Mm-hmm. Past life. I barely have control over this life. Okay. Oh, I'm gonna need I... B's help on this one. <laughs> Prem- Preminger. From Barbie and as the princess and the barber. <laughs> okay, Premio is the is the bitch that like there's a video committee goes. Ah! And okay. Gonna, you know the guy. <laughs> okay, I haven't watched any of the Barbie films. No, I haven't either. I've seen the video of him. And our our last one is um, a tavern a tavern keeper listening to stories from adventurers passing through. Um, I knew we were a tavern keeper because we we do listen to stories. Um, yeah. This is the stories is DuckTales 2017. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Which folk punk slash indie song title do you vibe with the most? Oh, no. Okay. Okay. The Man Kitty. Who Fell to Earth. Near Death Fail Comp brackets must watch till end. <laughs> Falling in Love with Your Best Friend. Mm-hmm. Please, please, please let me get what I want. Past that, consider the Tetrabod, you know, the Mountain Goat song about abuse. Uh-huh. I'm a better anarchist than you. I like this one. If anyone needs me, I'll be in the Angry Dome. Oh my god, that's us. <laughs> angry Dome is capitalized. Angry Dome, Angry Dome. I don't do it about any of the other ones. Okay, let's, let's not even read the rest. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
what's the most regrettable thing you've done while sleep deprived? I unfortunately I don't think any of these answers are going to be made this podcast, but okay. <laughs> Tried to ma- make cereal and spilled milk everywhere and got stupidly upset about it. Mm-hmm. This happens to me every day. I don't I don't regret it. Um, <laughs> revealed personal and deep things about myself to someone I shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. This is the podcast again. Um, binge watch true crime YouTube videos. Again, something I do all the time. I don't regret it. Mm-hmm. Um, texted my ex. No. <laughs> no. Got in a fist fight with my inner demons. Yeah. Mm. And I think this is us. Impulse bought a wig online. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <gasps> what keeps you I awake at know. night? Recording podcast. I have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, answer one. I'm literally just nocturnal. Two. Excitement, or is it, a, or is it insomnia? Mm-hmm. Three. My fear of disappointing the ones I love. Four. My fear of hurting the ones I love. Mm-hmm. Five. My anxieties about life. Or six. I'm sound asleep, bro. I think that we can safely say I'm sound asleep, bleeper, as expressed by you. <laughs> is this about? Um, is are you begging me on the podcast for sleeping in? He slept in, and I was waiting here for like three hours to record, and then he was like, "Sorry, I just woke up." Okay, what's the best part of an Oreo? <laughs> mm-hmm. Is that is there only two answers here? There are four. Oh God, what? One. Both parts balance each other out and are equally important, and eating one without the other is pointless. Mm-hmm. Two is the cream. <laughs> mm-hmm. Three is the cookie. And four is I don't like Oreos. Um, four is an insane person. Um, it's uh, morally corrupt to not like Oreos. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> Do you not like Oreos? Not really. You think you know someone. You start <laughs> podcasting someone, and then they... And then they they show their true colors like this. Sorry. Whatever. I'm I'm really wronging you today. You are. You're. This is. There is some. There is some. Some. some, Beginning of the end between us. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is the last episode of the podcast. Sorry. (laughs) This is the last Um, fucking straw. I um, think as a podcast, we have to say, like, they balance each other out because we have two hosts. And, um, yeah. Although, well, I guess we don't really balance each other, each other out because we're the same person. Um, okay. Yeah. We are the same person. Okay. Yeah. I think the first, I think the first one. Yeah. I think, the, I think it also, I think it in, in a broader sense, it encapsulates, encapsulates our approach to the show, which is that everything mm-hmm. balances itself out. We're not coming to the show for any one thing. Okay. Yeah. If you could go on a vacation right now, where would you go? One. A relaxing beach or cruise. Mm-hmm. An alien planet. Uh-huh. A long road trip to see as many sights as possible. Somewhere with lots of remote nature and wilderness. Or a big city like Tokyo or Paris. Okay. Where would our podcast go? I think we need to go into an alien planet where, duck, where ducks are real. We <laughs> <laughs> need to go to the duck dimension. I like that. <laughs> it's like in, a, in Space Jam. You know, when he goes down the golf hole. <laughs> yeah. I had nightmares about that specific thing of going down the oh, golf no. hole. Oh, no. Were you really scared of golf? Anything. That you get no. sucked in? <laughs> no, I think I was also scared of, um, I was scared of that episode of Bear in the Big Blue House, where, like, <gasps> the little lever bitch is scared of going down the bath, like, the, the drain in the bath. 
Aww. Even though the episode was about not being scared of that because it's not scary, I you took the wrong gave... you took the wrong lesson yeah. from it. You 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 watched that and you thought I never realized I had to be scared of that. <laughs> I think that kind of transferred over like the idea of like falling down a big hole and being stuck down a hole. Yeah. But, okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> what was slash is our best subject in school? Best mm-hmm. podcast. Theater. I don't know about you. I didn't have this as a subject. English. I mean. We had drama, but I, I only did it for like two terms, I think, and I was not good at it. I I I I, 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 I injured myself in a clowning accident. Fuck this quiz, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely told you this story no, before. No, you have not. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, one of the assessments. Uh, was to put on like a like a like a, a clown like a, a like a clown like slapstick like comedy show. Um, we were putting it on for like the primary school kids, and so like we had to do like slapstick, and it was like no speaking, and we had to do like our own costuming and stuff. So we got to like go into the into like the props room and get like the you know the big oversized pants and shit. And so like I don't remember what the like choreography of our one was, but I slipped on my huge pants and landed on my elbow. And like managed to play it off and finish that. But um, after we finished our like three mem- three minute performance, I came off the stage and I was like, um, my elbow really hurts and I like it really like I can't like move my fingers very well. And my teacher was like, um, okay, awesome. Um, do you want to call your mom and she can like, <laughs> and you can like like you know like go down to the hospital, which was like down the road. Like we literally like walked down the road to the hospital to get my arm scanned because I didn't break my fucking arm. But um. <laughs> So I had to um I had to get changed out of my clown outfit without the use of my left arm. Um, call mum who works like who worked like five like five hundred meters away, and she walked up to the school and like we walked down the street to the hospital together. Got my arm X-rayed by the father of a friend like at the school, and he was like he was like making like you know conversation with me while he was doing the X-ray. So like he was like, "Tell me, is my son a bit of a dickhead?" And I was like, "Yeah." But, um, so I got my arm scanned and I didn't break my arm, but I like didn't, like I like went home because it really hurt. I like couldn't move my hand very well, but I like jarred it really badly. And then, and then my mum was like, you realise that you've got like the best story because you injured, like, you injured yourself in a clown related incident, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is one of the best ways to be like, to like skip school. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm that's like clowning fixed. accident. I am transfixed by a detail in that, which is that your prop room had oversized clown pants. Yeah, we had so many costumes in there. Um, what the fuck? Were... <laughs> what do you mean? What the fuck? I went to a sc- I went to school in a converted convent. We had no prop room. We had two art rooms and like sewing rooms that were I have described to you before in detail as being like the worst places on earth. We didn't. We had an extracurricular drama curriculum, um, and like it was like a club and nothing else. We did not have we clown had, pants. We had we had a we had a prop room in the in the hall, which was where like performances were put on. Where it was just like it was so messy. There was like disgusting wigs in there. There were so many disgusting wigs in there, and it was just like piles and piles and piles of clothing. Um and uh, I don't, How did I, like, you not spend the entirety of your of your school career in various wigs? 
<laughs> the thing is, I feel like um, I feel like I turned down a specific road early on in my school career. I went down the English path when I should have gone down the drama path. Of course, uh, I should. I should have. Um, I should have been participating in the the um the uh, the musicals that we put on every other year, but I never did. But I think that would have like fundamentally changed. Jesus Christ! You are understand how close the bullet was i was almost a theater kid just i want you to be thankful for a moment that i didn't do this i'm realizing now as i'm in college that i absolutely would have been a theater kid had i like mm-hmm. gained yes, confidence as a person later on in my life i'd also have had the opportunity which i didn't mm-hmm. <laughs> um anyway so <laughs> back to the quiz <laughs> Theater possibility for our best subject in school as a podcast. English. Yeah. History. I mean, I think I think I think like without hearing any of the rest, it's gonna be either English or drama or theater rather. Because like Perhaps. We, are, we are doing textual analysis, but we're also putting on a show for people. Yeah. We're also looking a lot into history though, into like yeah. DuckTales. Um Jim. No. <laughs> Math. No. <laughs> Put the S on. Anyway. Um, and lunch. Oh, that's tempting. Lunch is very I'm tempting, but I think it's theater or English. I feel like it's theater. I, I think okay. theater. That's my feeling. Okay. Yeah. <gasps> Opinions on uh, ugly Animal Crossing villager discourse. None of them are ugly. Okay, okay. We have, I don't think they're ugly. I just, I'm just, well, okay, I do think they're ugly, but I'm not mean about it. Um... I would never have an ugly villager. Why? Because I don't think they exist. Mm-hmm. I have never crossed an animal in my life. Mm-hmm. Get out uglies. Mm-hmm. Please don't call me. Call them ugly. I will cry. Mm-hmm. And they're little video game animals. Why does their attractiveness or lack thereof matter to you people? Coming at this from a podcast perspective is very difficult. Has our podcast played Animal Crossing? Oh, has Jim Whitty played Animal Crossing is the question here. Um, I'm I mean, feeling... I have a feeling based on, like, our approach is, like, we do sometimes think that animals are ugly, but we're not mean about it. That's fair. I think that's all right. It's Friday night. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Recording a podcast. <laughs> um, going on a date, nerds. No. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> Listening to the same song on repeat for five hours. I know that's you, but it's not me. <laughs> I'm glad that I've disconnected my Spotify from Discord. I don't think I did it intentionally. I think it happened at some point, but um, there was a time in my life. I'm, t- I'm telling this to the podcast audience. You can cut this out if you want. I'm freely giving this information. There was a time in my life when I would listen to um, uh, One Week and also the Big Bang Theory theme by the Bare Naked Ladies on repeat for just like an entire night. And this was not mm-hmm. like years and years ago. This was like last year. Well, I recently was like sitting, I was playing games or doing something, and I had the distinct thought, which is I bet Marty's listening to Kiss from a Rose right now. <laughs> it did come on in the it did come on my um uh on shuffle while I was driving home today. Um and I was I, I was belting it. Not yeah. gonna lie. Okay. Or standing in my room, acting out the entirety of my three-part epic adventure story and doing all the stunts myself. Um, 
I feel like this is us just getting involved in our personal yeah. um our personal like episodes of of DuckTales where we make up I our agree. own episode. <laughs> I mean, I should start with the podcast at some point, but I don't think so. I don't think <laughs> I don't think today is the time. We can that's that's our that's our Patreon bonus episodes. <laughs> oh God, um, going to sleep at a reasonable time. No. Having an anxiety attack. This Whatever. Is, this, this is the tough one. Binge watching a TV show and eating ungodly amounts of junk food. <laughs> or summoning a demon for funsies. I think it might be our three-part epic adventure story. I think it's our three-part epic adventure story, given how how much thought I've put into my various DuckTales episodes. I think mm-hmm. that has to be it. Mm-hmm. What are you getting your parent for their birthday? Dimwitty Duck's parent is Lula Balloon. Mm-hmm. Um, a tiger. <laughs> Mm-hmm. A handcrafted letter detailing how much I love them. Mm-hmm. They ain't getting shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something easy like a gift card. Mm-hmm. Macaroni art, smiley face. Oh shit, I forgot their birthday. Mm-hmm. And I'm perfectly attuned to their gift tastes and will be able to get them exactly what they want. I think Dimwitty would forget his dad's birthday. Oh, for sure. Choose the shade of blue. Uh, you're, gonna have to do, you're gonna have to do some very heavy describing here. The captions on these are all blue. Um, I think I'm just going to cross-reference this with the shade of blue that we have in our header, and we'll use that. Okay, that's a good idea. Um, like, this is a long quiz. I'm liking this. I, yeah, we're getting through it, though. Okay, last question. Time travel or space travel? Time travel. Um, time travel. In the, in the sense of a podcast, we are, we are going back in time. We are removing <gasps> stuff. Who, who's that DuckTales kid? Who is that DuckTales kid? Dewey Duck! Fuck yes! The middle child. You're sweet, sensitive, and full of insecurities that you cover up with plenty of guts and bravado. You're daring, fun-loving, and have a tendency to rush into things without thinking first. You're always trying to prove yourself and stand out from the crowd, and sometimes because of this you put yourself in danger. Just remember that your <laughs> friends love you for who you are, and you don't need to change yourself to be special. We're putting ourselves in danger by speaking out against the feathery society. <laughs> We are, though. And I think we also discovered, we learned something really important this episode. Which is that Marty once got horribly injured during a clowning accident. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, hope, I hope that people are kind of putting together kind of the, 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 you know, the kinds of people that we are. And I hope that this really throws them for a loop. Yeah. So, so suddenly, uh, suddenly we sneak up on you and say, I don't like Oreos, and Marty's an amateur clown. I'm a terrible clown. I didn't see it. The, the I love the. Not laugh at me. I love the. Uh, I love the, the the trajectory that we can kind of extrapolate from your life is that you were so bad at being a clown that you became a librarian instead. <laughs> the least clownish like career. I yeah. went completely opposite direction. Yeah. I'm like you're opening my eyes to things about myself. And I didn't have the resources to do to do dramatics, so I became a game designer. <laughs> We've learned many things. Thank you for coming on this enlightening journey with us, everybody. Um, this is a bit of a long one, but um, hopefully it it's is. been entertaining enough. Um, we were just having a lot of fun doing quizzes. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> just got lost in quizzes for a bit. It happens we to did. the best and of sometimes, us. Sometimes that happens, and that's absolutely fine. But um. Uh, I think that's about it. Uh, what are we watching next week? We are watching The House of the Lucky Gander! <gasps> Fuck yes! yes! We're about to meet Gladstone! We're gonna meet Gladstone! Very excited for that. My special little man. Special little boy. Fantastic. 
I'm so excited. Thank you so much for coming on this journey with us of um, learning so much about ourselves, learning so much about diet. It means a lot. Um, we'll see you next week. If you have any information regarding Dimwitty's disappearance or any information that might lead to his capture, let us know at Dear Dimwitty on Twitter or email us at DearDimwitty at gmail.com. Or if you want to talk to us about DuckTales, that's fine too.